Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here with you all the way live for the next two hours on a Friday night, December the 30th, 2016. I'm Dre, he's Jay, although I don't know how long we're going to be able to go two hours straight with no commercials. That's asking quite a bit, but we're going to give it our best shot. Uh, Jason, your Christmas. Had to be better than Rex Ryan. Had to be better than Jeff Fisher. I know mine was. How was exactly your Christmas? Oh, it was outstanding. Uh, you know, I had four days home with my kids. So there was there was no gift that I could have been given that was better than spending four days home with my wife and kids. Um, you know, and it, it, it spoiled me. Uh, and I think it spoiled them because... Um, you know, it's it's been it's been hard now. You know, being back to work the last few days because every every morning I get up and my daughter comes and she'll sit on my lap and she'll just give me a big hug and I'll be like, Trini, you know, hey, daddy's gotta daddy's gotta go to work. It's time for me to go to work, and she'll just like, no, daddy, stay home because she, you know, yeah. it was hard. It, so it's been uh, it, it's been bittersweet going back to work. You know, trying to get back into the grind and um, but yeah, that 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 was that was my holiday. Four four days with the family. Um, lots of presents, lots of toys, you know, lots of food. You know, I was, I was actually shocked. I didn't gain any weight in those four days. And I thought for sure when I jumped on the scale on Wednesday, ready to go back to work, that I was going to be like 10 pounds, 15 pounds heavier because of, I just ate and ate and ate and drank and drank and drank. Um, but I had an outstanding Christmas. Uh, hopefully uh, you did too. I did. I don't do scales, though. I have absolutely no idea how much weight I may have gained because that's not something I want to yeah. know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you jump on the sale, what scale, does it just say, ouch? <laughs> yes. And that's why okay. I avoid them. Okay. No, it was excellent. Uh, my wife's uh, uncle out at his rather large estate uh, cooked a big dinner for him. And us, of course, and sat around, shot the breeze, uh, actually signed the, the, the dude up for Spotify because he was actually breaking out his collection of Christmas CDs and showing us how excited he was uh, to be playing his CDs as he worked around the house and whatnot. And I was like, dude, I can show you something way better than popping in a bunch of CDs. And we, we got him signed up on the Spotify. I don't know how much of it he's taken in, but he seemed to be quite pleased uh, to, to be signed up for it. He said he'd heard of the Spotify, uh, but in, in typical, you know, older person fashion, he never thought he would sign up for something like that. Right. But we got him, got him on, we got him signed up, we got him logged in, and hopefully he's been 
puttering around there and finding all his favorites uh, without uh, having to pop in any CDs. Or buy music. That's why Spotify is like the greatest invention of all time. I mean, I pay for my Spotify. I have the premium um, account because of the, some of the streaming devices that I have in my house. It's, it, it all links up through my Spotify. So <clears throat> I have to say, Spotify, I have not bought a single piece of music, whether it's iTunes or a CD or anything since I started my uh, Spotify subscription. So I figure, okay, so, you know, I'm paying my my 10 bucks a month for it, but I figured in the long run, it's actually saving me money because um, it's res I'm resisting the urge every time there's a, a new song or a new uh, piece of music that comes out from an artist that I like that I have that urge to go and buy it. Now I can just listen to it pretty much on demand anywhere I want, at home, at work, in the car. Spotify is a great thing. This is not a paid advertisement for Spotify, no. although it sounds like it. Yeah, no, the the paid advert, uh, the paid advertisement, and uh, it's funny that you and I both say advertisement because I get into the big fight up here with the family who all say advertisement. Um, <laughs> I guess we're the last of a dying breed that still say advertisement. Um, no, I'm I, the, I'm doing a spot right now for uh, Jack Daniel's Winter Jack. <laughs> <laughs> which I was given a bottle of for Christmas, which is apple is also cider, which is apple cider whiskey. And I'm drinking some right now as we are live on the air. It is outstanding. Um, probably about halfway through the bottle that I was given for Christmas. I might be done with the bottle by the end of this show. This stuff, <laughs> this stuff is awesome. That is also not a paid advertisement. I just want to no, make that we are, clear. We are, we are not. We are not giving any money for any of the, all the all the endorsements. Think about all the endorsements that we've done for products over the years, and we've never received a nickel for it. Yeah. Uh, so if you were we are, at home right now, listening to Spotify, drinking apple apple flavored <laughs> Jack Daniels, we deserve a cut of that action. That's right. Cut us a check. We are buffing you guys up right now, no doubt about that. <laughs> I love the, I love, but I also have uh, Apple Music. I, I doubled up on my uh, services. Uh -oh. um, this show is also so, brought to you by Apple Music. Yeah. Well, and you know the, the Apple Podcast app is the way that I listen to our show while I'm driving to work. Ah, there you. This go. feels like that. Did you ever see the movie Wayne's World, where they do all the shameless plugs in the movie? That's what I feel like we're doing right now. No, I heard it's funny. I, I might see that movie someday. I you heard should Chia see Carrera that sometime. Really <laughs> well, then, yeah. There's a scene roughly, <laughs> you know, maybe halfway, two-thirds of the way through the movie where they're talking about how sad it is, how everyone in Hollywood's a sellout now, while they're doing shameless plugs <laughs> and, and, like, drinking Coca-Cola and smiling at the camera. And it's, it's almost kind of what we're doing right now. That actually reminds me of uh, Chris Jericho in WWE, who had a really good program about six or seven years ago where he was talking about all the old guys that keep coming back and won't let it go. They just can't put it, they can't put it down. They can't put the fame down. It's like a drug and it's just awful. What's Chris Jericho doing these days? He's 46 years old. He's still <laughs> on the WWE tour because yeah. fame is a drug. And he just can't put it down. They also allow him to be. You know, they let him because he's a name and people recognize his name. That's true. And that's also a, a, probably a spotlight on how bad the, the 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 
pro wrestling division is right now, the actual wrestling part of it. They, they're allowing him to do this because he's actually good in the ring, which is something you can't say for a lot of the guys that are there. Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone needs to learn the slow bow. <laughs> no, that's only for the girls. <laughs> Chris Jericho's pretty close to it too. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's the that's slow. True. Yeah, the war, but we love the, the slow Actually, makes him more I like mean, a girl we, than we've anything. We've never talked about. Does anybody know what the slow bow is? Should we explain the slow bow? It's not that difficult to explain. It's any forearm or elbow thrown by a woman in any wrestling match you've ever seen but nobody lets go with a forearm yeah. in, the, in the women's divisions they never have they always throw the slowest elbows forearms you, you can see it you can see light through it it's so light it's it's like a feather because you know they don't know how to punch they don't know how to, to pull right. back their punches and nor sh you know, nor should they one could argue no woman should know how to pull her punches but yeah, there's any women's match you've ever seen from Mickey James to Trish Stratus down to the girls doing it today. You know, I, I love watching them go. You know, they're much better workers now than they used to be, but they, they, no, no, none of them can throw an elbow. None of them can throw a punch. Right. It, it's, yeah, I, I pretty much that, that during that six-month period while we were roommates having to uh, sit through all those Monday Night Raws, one of, one of us coined that term. <laughs> oh, that would be you. Um, I'm, I'm not taking that would, credit okay, for that. Yeah. The slow bow, that's me. Okay. Well, hey, I came up with a oh, wrestling yeah. term. You got to give me some credit you there. You've okay. learned a lot about wrestling, even though you don't want to watch it. I don't watch wrestling, but I seem to know a lot about it somehow. It's funny how that works. Yeah. Can't, can't wait for that uh, WrestleMania show coming up in April. That's right. I will watch wrestling once a year. It's that Monday Night Raw. <laughs> that's it. Although it sounds like you almost got to watch SmackDown now because that seems to be where everybody's kind of gravitated towards. Uh, I don't know about that. I, although I'll say that they really put on a, a big show this past Tuesday night. It made me actually tape and watch SmackDown. It's funny you brought it up. I haven't watched SmackDown in probably years. But this episode, I, I wanted to watch because they had three title matches, and it was from Chicago. It was at the uh, what, oh. we, what we call the Rosemont Horizon. No, it's uh, the Rosemont Horizon. It's not what we yeah. call the Rosemont Horizon. It is the <laughs> Rosemont Horizon. Been dubbed the All-State Arena for the last 20 years, but it's yeah. the Rosemont Horizon to us. It's like the Sears Tower is the Sears right. Tower. It's not the Willis Tower or what have no. you. It's not the What um, You're Talking About Tower. <laughs> But uh, it was it was a decent show. I, I, I'm not going to complain, but I'm not going to make SmackDown appointment viewing from this point forward. It's just ah, it's so it's, it's still the second show. It's always been the second show, and that really hasn't changed. Wrestling, you know. And John Cena got in the ring and and brought that up. He's talking about all the booing that he's getting, and he mentioned the Cubs. He said, you, you know, this town should be happy as hell. The Cubs just won the World Series and half the, the audience erupts and boos for that. And he goes, are, are you kidding me? Are there, are there White Sox fans in the building? And half the crowd actually erupts in applause. And if I had the microphone at that moment, I know exactly what I would have said. I would have said, you know, I'm in that, that stadium, you know, often. I'm, I'm, I've actually been in that stadium. I don't know where you people are because you aren't there. 
I'm there. I know who's in there. You aren't there. It's me and like six other Jamokes. I don't know where the fuck all you people are that are screaming yeah. and cheering for the White Sox right now. Because you sure the fuck right. aren't in the ballpark. That's what I was. Half half of the attendance capacity of Rosemont Horizon is still more than what the Sox draw most of the right. time. That was half the crowd going crazy. That means about seven thousand people cheering for the White Sox, which is yeah, about five thousand more than they get at a typical right. game. But that's just people that wanted to cheer because they were going against John Cena at that moment. That's all they wanted to do. They have a lot of I good memories on Rosemont Horizon. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of you know, mostly uh, the, surrounding wrestling for me. Con- yeah, for me it was concerts. I saw the first Arena Bowl. No. Uh, I was I was a part I was a spectator live at the very first arena bowl if you remember uh, Prentice from grade school. Oh yeah. Um had tickets and me and him and his dad and I don't remember if anybody else went but we all went to the very first arena bowl between the Chicago Bruisers and the Detroit Drive. Wow. I was there. This was proud sports moment. Yes. And we've been friends like our whole lives. You probably didn't. I don't even know if you knew I was there. Probably. I, I, we, 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 not. we had to have talked about it when it happened. Probably. Um, but how many, how many years ago school, would that be? So, yeah, this, well, right. this would have been, you know, in late 80s, I want to say. But yeah, it was at the very first Arena Bowl 1. Don't remember much about it, but I remember I was there. <laughs> there you go. That's all you need to remember. Um. Oh, so we already got into the Kings of Non Sequitur, just completely off the rails already. That's what happens when we uh, schedule a two-hour show, and it's week 17. The only thing we have to we make have... sure we have enough time for is that you have time to flip the coin. Oh, there's always time to flip the coin. The, the, the guest picker is in the house. The, the, the dime is sitting right here. I'm looking right at it. And when we get to right. our picks for week 17, we will be flipping a coin for each and every pick. For those of you brand new to the show, that's what we do in week 17. Week 17 is such a coin flip, trying to pick games against the spread, that we literally flip a coin every week uh, in week 17. And coin has a, a, an impressive record throughout the years. Like I said, I believe coin beats us, either one of us or both of us, every year. Coin wins over yeah. one of us, at least, because yeah. it's a coin flip. Week 17 is literally right. a coin flip, and that's why we decided to do, to do that. Yeah, and, and there have been years that we have bested the coin, but I will say, in the defense of the coin, the coin never pulls out like a 3-13. and 13. No, no, the coin is always right there near 500, yeah. except for that one year where it went 12-4. and four. I'll never forget that. Right. That was quite Yeah, and we were both sitting on like 6th and 10s. Yeah, the coin went 12 and four. Uh, the only time that you ever have to worry about a pick is if me, you, and the coin all agree. Because um, that always goes bad. Right. That goes bad. Also, when you and I agree and the coin goes against the coin us, disagree, that's a win the for coin the coin. Always. Yep. Right. So there's those little corollaries that we've sort of uh, attached to the show over the years as well. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun little wrinkle. Um, I, we're, if I remember correctly, now that we've had the longer format of the show, this is also sort of the beginning of our uh, playoff sort of format that we end up doing during the postseason. Because everyone, you know, anybody who's used to our show during the regular season knows it's, you know, two shows a week, recap pick show. 
Um, when we get to playoff time, we were last year, I know for sure, and it worked out really nice. We're basically doing this. Like we're just lumping in the recap and the pick show into one long show each week. Um, which actually works out a lot better than trying to do two, two hour shows. Um, to recap what amounts to basically just a handful of games. Right. Cause we're certainly not going to break down most of week 16. We're going to talk about a few of those games and, and then move on quickly to actually picking the week 17 games. Cause there's not much to break down. Yeah. And well, there were, there were big events and there were unfortunate events. So there was, you know, there was also the, the thing that you're scoot- skirting around, which was the fact that I uh, finally had a really good week against you. And if it wasn't for the Cincinnati Bengals kicker shit in the bed, I would have had a really good week against you. <laughs> so even well, in well, defeat what... there, you still managed to pull off one of these one or two point out of your ass <laughs> miracle wins. So you're, I, I have finally realized Not that, that my chances of wrong. beating. Well, no, I might, but my chances of beating you this year are about as good as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers chances of making the playoffs. I think I saw some basketball scenarios that had to go their way. So the Cavaliers have to lose by 10 points to the Celtics. (laughs) Right. Um, And and Tracy McGrady has to come out of retirement. Yeah, the the Buccaneers are not making the playoffs because the scenarios that have to come up for them to make it is – There's a tie. Green Bay Bay Detroit (laughs) has to end in a tie. This reminds me (laughs) – this reminds me of the year that I was so desperate to get, I think it was like the 49ers into the playoffs because it was oh, just ridiculous, the number of stuff that had to go their way. And I was like, you know what? It's week 17. So I'm just going to pick every single thing that needs to happen for them to make the playoffs. And every single thing that needed to happen for them to make the playoffs actually happened, except they lost. <laughs> Oh, damn it. That one last part where they actually have to win their own yeah. game. It yeah. was like five outcomes. We're crazy week 17 type shit. I had them all boom, 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 boom. I'm getting this team into the playoffs. And wouldn't you know it, the 49ers lost their game. Uh, playoffs? Yeah, they, they were rare. They now, had their chance. I am not going to go this i'm not on this mission to get tampa into the playoffs because it's impossible (laughs) and one of the scenarios is that you have to have a tie green bay detroit is the game if that game is a tie my antenna kind of perks up but the problem is is all those other things need to happen but then green bay detroit of course is the flexed game so, so what that other be something that have to happen and have to happen before the Green Bay <laughs> right. Detroit game even takes place? But wouldn't it just be something though if everything falls into place for Tampa and you're going into that game on rooting Sunday for a night, tie? If you're a Tampa <laughs> Bay fan, hoping beyond hope that Packers Lions <laughs> ends in a tie. So what are you what are you hoping for then? Like a, a nuke to hit the stadium or something? Uh, Trump hits the button well, by mistake. What are you hoping for? I could, that's, that's asking for too much. Yeah, I know. We've had multiple ties. ties this year. It's easy, and we've we, we've diagnosed the problem. That's why it's so much easier now. Define multiple ties tie. this year. Two. Two ties this year. That's what's multiple. Of all these games that have been played. Yeah. Two ties. 
Yeah, by by the time we get by the time we get to Sunday night, two hundred and fifty-five NFL games will have been played. Two of which about point eight percent of the game. That's your chances, Tampa Bay, by the way. So let's just count the fact that 0.8% is one of the results that you need. (laughs) Forget about the fact that you need all those other results, which are 50-50 propositions. I would love to know, like if I went to Vegas and put 10 bucks on that for Tampa to make the playoffs, what my odds are. I just read it. I I forget exactly where, but I just read that the parlay for the Buccaneers to make the playoffs – would be 900 to 1 odds. <laughs> 900. You know, to one. I got to say if we were just in Vegas at a sports book, would you just throw a fiver on that just to um, just for shits and giggles? Just to say, hey, you know what? I, I put 5 bucks on it and I win $4500 <laughs> if I wouldn't but many many people would. Um I don't know why I wouldn't exactly is when you bring up the odds uh when you break it down like that I could turn a fiver into $4,500 that sure makes it sound very tempting. I still wouldn't do it because I said it's not going to happen. It's just yeah. I mean And the funny thing is about Vegas since the house is always skewed towards the house that 900 to 1 in fairness should probably be like 2 or 3,000 to 1. Now, that point, I don't remember if that's the actual Vegas odds or if that's what the real odds are, 900 to 1 already. Oh, no, it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be higher than that. (laughs) It's got to be higher. Yeah. If the real odds were 900 to 1, the Vegas odds would be something like 150 or 200 to 1 because they do find a way to shaft you no matter what. But that's why Vegas is Vegas. Yeah. And there's a bet for everything. Oh yeah, there's there's props everywhere. You can find you can find that uh, basketball football parlay that we were talking about before. That something in basketball has to happen and something in football, and you can actually tie that together. Especially on Super Bowl Sunday, there's a lot of those. Will you know LeBron score more than whatever the over under is for the Super Bowl? There's you'll always be able to find something like that. That's what we love about Vegas. I remember walking walking by those books, and you just see all those bets up on the board. It's like, oh, man, I I could see how people could get wrapped into something like that. I got wrapped into it without ever having touched Vegas. I got wrapped into it just on a computer. Yeah, because remember, every, every bet up on that board, there's a winner on every single one. Yeah, the problem is just trying to be that winner, just trying to find the one that wins. Yeah, and exactly. So I'm I'm 0-1. I'm still sore about the fact that my one and only legal Vegas bet was a loser. It was Maryland uh, against was it Michigan yeah. in college yeah. basketball. Yeah, I seem to remember or telling Maryland. you to take Clemson in the over. No. Uh, yeah, and I believe both of those games. Game. Yeah, and both of those hit while we were sitting there eating another amazing Vegas meal. Uh, we're sitting there watching both of those numbers come home. <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, I told you. <laughs> and I'm just shaking my head. That's perfect. I believe that was the same. Was that after the uh, the, the show? Was that after the Zoo Manity or whatever? Uh, yes. Did we coming back? Okay. So that's perfect. That was yeah, a nice I almost, set. I almost, <laughs> called it, I almost called it Zootopia, which was a kid's movie. <laughs> And I almost called it zoology, which is a science. 
Um, no, that's perfect. Because that night before we did Zumanity, I dropped a couple of hundred bucks on uh, Ultimate Texas Hold'em at uh, at New York, New York. So that yeah, would that was that perfect. Came... That um, we're sitting there yeah. watching that parlay come in, which I did not bet, and I'm just shaking my head like, "What the fuck? What? What the fuck? Seriously? What?" And that's what Vegas will do. It'll make you sit there and mutter to yourself and shake your head and just say, "What the fuck?" All night. That's and making that's it all Vegas worse for you. And making it completely worse for you is me sitting there elbowing you going, eh? Eh? <laughs> hey, eh? See, what did I tell see, you? I told you. Huh? Told you. Yeah. <sighs> Vegas was unbelievable fun until I actually started betting. Um, <laughs> well, you know, we had a lot of fun playing the ultimate uh, poker until yeah. we started losing, you know. But... <laughs> oh, boy. So 25 minutes in, we haven't said a damn thing about the football, which is pretty yeah, much how we do things left. around here. You were telling me before the show, you don't know how much you're going to make of that uh, that two hours that we have. I think so. the alcohol is helping. Uh, Jack Daniels Winter Jack. Um, In much less detail, it's brought to you by Jack Daniels Winter Jack. You got to say it right. You got to say it right. Brought to you by... <laughs> He's brought to you by yeah, your favorite voice, the ESPN guy. Oh, it still gives me like hives when I hear it. <laughs> it's because you were sleeping on my couch. You were hearing that in your sleep uh, as you're drifting off, as you're between yeah. sleep and consciousness. You're hearing this guy brought to you by. So it got into your dreams is what happened. Uh, Sounds about so right. 90, 90 minutes still left to go. If you want to join in on this goofiness. Uh, you, of course, can always call our guest line. That number is area code 646-595-4534. And you know that if you're listening live because it's at the top of your computer screen. Blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's the only place to listen to our show live. To listen to our show as a podcast after it's over, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just search for in much less detail, the podcast. You can subscribe on many different podcast apps including TuneIn, Mixcloud, Player.fm, Blubbery, Blueberry, however it's pronounced. Subscribe by email.com as well. Uh, notify Blog Talk Radio. You sign up with Blog Talk Radio when we're live. It will notify you, send you a little message in your email. You can send us an email if you would like to communicate with the show. You send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason on Twitter at IMLDJTG. And you can follow our picks on the blog. And the blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. So week 16 in the NFL, in our little abbreviated recap, uh, like you said, a lot of events happening, a lot of uh, bad lucks. Uh, some more guys that did not have great Christmases. Uh, that would include poor Marcus Mariota, poor Derek Carr, uh, going down with serious, serious leg injuries, ending their seasons. Uh, Tennessee, of course, had their was in the midst of having their season sort of ended as a team because once Houston went on to win their game, the Titans were eliminated from the playoffs. The Raiders are still very much in the playoffs and alive for a number one seed, but they're going to have to do it with Matt McGloin as their quarterback because Derek Carr is, is done. That leg injury, that broken leg, he, I think I've been seeing some things around uh, these blogs and whatnot saying that he's trying to gear up to make it to the Super Bowl if they make it that far, trying to, to make yeah, it back. Yeah, by nice, nice try. That's not happening. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, Matt, Matt McGloin, all of a sudden, it's like the NFL spin machine. It's worse than politics for spinning stuff. All of a sudden, you immediately get the, oh, the, the Raiders, they love Matt McGloin, and they're not going to miss a beat. It's like, uh, wait a minute. We're going to find out real guy. quick. Yeah, we're going to find out real quick if Matt McGloin is Jeff Hostetler or if he's Ryan Lindley. We're going to find mm-hmm. that out real quick. Um, so I'm not holding out a lot of the hope for Matt McGloin, who's taken nothing in terms of meaningful snaps this year. He's basically being thrown into the highest type pressure situations. I mean, Oakland's in the playoffs. We know that. Uh, but if they go out and they lose and the Chiefs win, now all of a sudden the Raiders are the wild card. They're playing again next week, and they're doing it on the road and not a position that you want to find yourself in um, with a backup quarterback. Now all of a sudden, now you've got to be road warriors. The best thing that can happen for them is they take care of business on Sunday. They win. They get this guy two weeks of reps. They get that home date. And the thing still might fall apart for them. So the worst possible thing that could happen happened to the Oakland Raiders. They lost their their sort of, you know, had sort of arrived on the stage real big time this year. I mean, last year we were sort of, he was, he was on the radar. We were watching, oh, wait, wait, this guy's not so bad. They got some people around him. You know, we had sort of made fun of him previous to that. Then last year you started to see the beginnings of this. And this year he just exploded onto the scene and you even put him into that sort of second tier um, of quarterbacks when you were sort of going through your assessment of how the guys were actually playing this year. And then they lost that guy. Uh, this is no different. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers goes down tomorrow and, but the Packers still, you know, they still make the playoffs. I don't want to start hearing, you know, all the national media telling me about how awesome Brett Hundley is and how he's going to take the Packers on a Super Bowl run. Nice little player. I mean, nice player. Don't get me wrong. I've seen the guy play. Uh, I've seen him in preseason. Um, if they held, they purposely have held on to him. Nice backup, but not a guy that you want to throw into this type of scenario. So yeah, Matt McGloin, you know, good luck. Uh, but I don't think anybody's expecting too much out of you, including your teammates. Yeah, this is why I hate this the MVP conversation so much because. How can anyone tell me that Derek Carr is less important to the Raiders than Aaron Rodgers is to the Packers or Kirk Cousins has been this year to the Redskins or Matt Stafford has been to the Lions? Derek Carr carried the Oakland Raiders to where they are right now. There's a lot of other factors that come into play. There's their uh, gambling coach, Jack Del Rio. There's their, I guess, opportunistic is a, the nicest word I can use, defense that seems to bend, 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 bend until the, the end of the game if they have a lead and then they pounce. Uh, but it's mainly been the development of Derek Carr into a balls-out, take-no-prisoners quarterback. And that's it. That was their shot this year at making some some kind of special history and, and perhaps knocking off the Patriots and making it all the way to the Super Bowl. They're not going to do it with Matt McGloin. And I say that knowing nothing about Matt McGloin. I don't, I haven't watched, I can't remember the last time I saw Matt McGloin play. And, and so even with that though, I'm not picking the Raiders to go very far in the playoffs because Matt McGloin is their quarterback, not Derek Carr. But I don't know how anyone can possibly argue that he's less valuable than anyone else in the NFL this year. 
add even Tom Brady to the Patriots. If you take any of those starting quarterbacks off their team, whoever the backup is, is not going to do nearly as well. And that's sort of a duh statement, but that's just why I hate the, the MVP discussion so much. I don't know who the MVP is going to be, but there's like seven or eight guys that if, if it's them, it's like, okay, fine. That, that, that makes sense. I understand. And he's one of Especially Derek Carr is that important. Yeah. This year, there are a lot of guys. There's not that clear-cut guy, so there's a lot of guys that are very important to where their teams are at almost across the board and almost always universally. It's got to be a quarterback, right? So, um, although I, I would say, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's played himself into uh, that conversation. Yep, that's fine, too. Which is, uh, which is funny. Which is funny because in our highly highly competitive fantasy league, I think I'm in the championship game, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Why it would be in week 17, first well, of all. Um, talk to the about that. Yeah, the other league I was in, that one's over. But nope, I'm in a game yeah. for the championship in week 17 against the team I made fun of that drafted Ezekiel Elliott with the first overall pick. <laughs> so. Um, He'll get to, to smack you down unless the Cowboys decide to not yeah. play him very so much. Time. So, so, but my lineup time. strategy was to just try to pick teams and players off my team and my bench that are actually playing for something and just go with sure. those guys. I'm going with the teams that actually have something to play for. So um, not the position anybody ever wants to be in with a Week 17 championship game. It's not even like it's a, a, like a Roto League or anything like that. This is a head-to-head league Yeah. Uh, in Week 17. Good luck, people. Not only Week 17, but her playoffs started like three weeks ago, right? Because we had that bye yeah, week. And, <laughs> yeah, and the NFL, the NFL Fantasy app doesn't tell you what the seedings are. I, the other league that I was in, I, I think I won it, but I don't know. <laughs> All I know is, is I was in the playoffs and I won every game in the playoffs. So I must be the champion of the league, right? That would make sense, yes. And in this league that we're in, I finished in the playoffs and I've won every game up to now. So I must be in the championship, right? But because the NFL.com app is so ridiculously stupid, I have no idea. That's uh, In much less detail, the podcast is not brought to you by the NFL.com fantasy app. Uh, that's a that's a reverse plug right there. That's a crap on you plug. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, make your app easy to understand. Come on, show me the playoff brackets. Let me know what's going on. Come on, NFL, step up your game. It's not like they don't have the money. Yeah, you would think that they their app would be the clearest, you know. Right, but apparently that's not the case. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I always point out my successes and my good picks. So in this week where you completely smacked me down in week 16 and gained two games on me, um, I did want to point out my yeah. freezing cold takes. There's a, a great Twitter follow uh, at freezing cold takes that this dude pulls quotes that people made like five, six, seven years ago on Twitter, like almost around the time Twitter started. And he'll put them on his site because it doesn't matter how old the, the freezing cold take is. If it's a bad take and you put it out there publicly, he's going to show everybody what you said. 
So I I got my own freezing cold takes that I made that I'll point the finger at myself. Uh, that I, I said New England shouldn't give a damn the last couple of weeks yeah. of the season after they knock off Baltimore and Denver. They shouldn't care at all about these last two games. Tom Brady had his little two-man playoff push uh, in the middle of the season between Baltimore and Denver. Those are the two teams he really wanted to beat, and he's not going to give a rat's ass about these last two games. So New England cares so little about their game against the Jets last week that they beat the Jets. I have to get this accurate and make sure I get it right. 41 to 3. That's how little the Patriots cared about that game. If they cared about the game, they would have beaten the Jets by 600 points. Yeah. So that's about as cold a take as you can get. Well, we agreed on that one. Well, yeah. Well, the spread was so yeah. huge. You agreed because the spread 17. was 17. Yeah. yeah, you didn't agree that the Patriots don't care. You just thought the spread was too big. And the Jets do play the Patriots tough, so I don't know what the hell happened in, in this particular game. They were on the golf course. I guess so. They were on vacation, out fishing. Yeah. Uh, another one of my very cold takes. I said there's no reason to touch the Jaguars, the 49ers, or the Browns the rest of the season because they haven't shown you any reason to touch them. Uh, oops. <laughs> And they all won. And they all won. Yeah. Yeah. So congrats to the Cleveland well, Browns for getting their one and only win for the season. I, I thought they were going to do it. I thought they were going to go 0-16. They had so many games where they competed and found a way to lose. And then as the season went on, they just started losing badly. It's like it, it, it looked like you could see the progression from competing to to still trying to hang in there and compete to, oh, fuck it, we don't care. You, you, I thought that I saw it, and, and yet they rose up against the, the Chargers and finally got that first win. So good on them. Yeah, and the Chargers, the Chargers were sort of, have been in a backslide for a while. After all the complimenting we did to the Chargers early on, you kind of had to, we should have seen that it just wasn't sustainable. I mean, we sort of hinted at it, but it, the slide was more dramatic than I think what we realized it would be. Yeah. And I also said that, then uh, you agree with me on this one too. Detroit getting six and a half points going down to Dallas when Dallas has oh. everything clinched and wrapped up. That's yeah. like a week 17 type spread. That's, that's being way underplayed. The Lions have something to play for. They're going to go compete and play the Cowboys tough. And let me make sure I get that one right. 42 to 21, the Cowboys beat the living hell out of the Lions. The Lions compete in the first half. I don't know what happened in the second half. Yeah, and I uh, the other one I thought you were going to bring up was you also had Carolina beating Atlanta um, no. for for the revenge, <laughs> for the payback. Uh, Carolina's going to have some pride. Yeah, for what they did to them earlier in the year <laughs> and then also ending that perfect season, and this would be the perfect spot to, to give those Falcons their comeuppance and uh, kind of, you know, hold them back from winning the division and and none of that happened. So as terrible as some of my picks were last week, I still finished seven and nine. I'm actually yeah. proud of seven and nine because when I have a bold string of freezing cold takes like that, usually I'm coming up with a three <laughs> and 13. So the fact right, that I still want Randy Bullock saved you from a six and 10. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Add him to the long list of guys that have saved me this year with a lot of very close wins like that. Yes. 
Yeah, that was all sewn up. All the guy had to do was kick a field goal. And nope, couldn't do it. I'm not giving him back. I'll tell you that No, much. absolutely not. No way. Because you've had cheaper ones than so that. Seven so and, no reason for <laughs> seven and nine to your nine and seven as you continue to, to slowly chip away. But you only have one more week to chip away before the playoffs come. Just chipping uh, away so at percentages the- at this point. I'm not worried about games. I'm only worried about the percentages. So for the season, my percentage is at 560, and yours is at 504. So slowly but surely, coming back to you as you were trying to predict. not Maybe not as fast back to you as you would like, but still coming back to you. Both of our locks came through, which is perfect because it doesn't matter anymore because you've already clinched. You are now free to go back to winning locks again now that the the locks are over. So 130 wins on the season, seven correct locks. That's that's my record. That's <laughs> pathetic, and I have no. So wait, excuses. what did that get me to? Did that get me to ten? No, I got you to eleven. So I, I'll take eleven and five in my locks. You were all over New Orleans and Drew Brees rising up and beating down beating down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I did not have that. I thought the Bucks would continue to play well as they had, and it didn't go well for them. But like you said, Drew Brees is so hard to keep down. No matter how the, the Saints season is going, you're not going to keep them down very long. And here, here they are, the Saints sitting once again, number one in the league in, in passing offense and, and most yards passing in the league. It's amazing what Drew Brees is doing. It's a Hall of Fame career, yet I don't think, we really give him his due as much as, as he deserves. Do you imagine if he was doing this as a, like a New York jet, how much press he would be getting? People would be talking about oh, him as one of the greats yeah. of all time. He'd be up there with Elway Marino, Brady, and everybody else right next to in Montana. He, he would absolutely be talked about as one of those. And we'd have indigestion <laughs> from all the slurping of Drew Brees. But this way, I think it's better. Because, like you said, he's definitely having himself. A, he's having more of a Hall of Fame career than freaking Eli Manning. <laughs> but Eli won two rings as a New York Giant, including uh, knocking off the undefeated Patriots. So you uh, know Eli's going into God. the Hall of Fame. <sighs> I, I hope not. Being very I, good. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I now get to uh, destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is one of my favorite uh, hobbies to do because uh, the the world's biggest Steelers fan, Bryson Brooklyn, hasn't called us lately, so I have to eviscerate them trying to draw him out of his hole and get him to communicate with us again. Uh, the, the Ravens blew it. The Ravens had the Steelers beat on Christmas Day. They outplayed them. They had them down 10 points uh, in the fourth quarter. They had them down three points with a minute to go. <laughs> and found a way to blow that game. The Ravens outplayed the Steelers. The Ravens should be playing for the division right now or or this coming weekend, this coming Sunday. The Ravens should still be alive for a playoff spot winning the AFC North, but they blew it. And I don't really want to give the Steelers that much credit for taking it away from the Ravens, even though they, they did. The Steelers took it away, but the Ravens had them beat. They had that game. And I but I will say, I will give Antonio Brown the credit for that incredible touchdown uh, because that's three NFL defenders at the goal line pushing against him, pushing him out of the end zone. 
and he spins around and finds a way to put the ball in the end zone anyway. That's three grown-ass men trying to keep him out of the end zone. That, speaking of the Hall of Fame, that is a Hall of Fame career, and that is one of the iconic plays in Antonio Brown's Hall of Fame career. When you talk about Antonio Brown's career and put up his career highlights, that's up there. That's got to be one of the first highlights you put up there because for him to spin and stretch that ball out and get in the end zone with the time running down, I think it would have been nine seconds left if he didn't get in and the Steelers had no timeouts. There's no way they would have gotten to the line and spiked it uh, in enough time. Uh, They would have lost the game. And for him to do what he had to do, he knew he had to do it, and he did it. I can't give Antonio Brown enough credit for making that play and giving the Steelers the victory. But they did not outplay the Ravens in that game. The Ravens should have won that. Yeah, and we were both on board with that. However, the Ravens did at least get us a cover. So there's that. So at least in defeat, they still gave us a win. So And that's what matters, right? Us winning. It's all that matters. It's all about us. Yeah. And it keeps the Ravens out of the playoffs, which I had to sweat all year long because <laughs> I did yeah. not have them going to the playoffs. Yeah, that was my team. I had them going in and they they, they came that close. But they they, they sort of backed up my point anyway, though. They keep playing for John Harbaugh no matter what. Yeah. They play for that coach. And that's what they did all year. And it almost resulted in the playoff spot, but they fell short, and and that was another one of my bad picks. It wasn't as bad as picking the Jets to be the other wild card team. That was probably the worst <laughs> pick of the year. But the but and the Ravens are frustrating for me because I see the lack of talent overall on that team. They can't run the ball. They have other than Steve Smith, who's 150 years old. I mean, I've, you know, he's yeah. put Steve. He's got Steve Smith Senior on his jersey now, and I always call him Steve Smith Senior Citizen. Um, yeah. other than him, there's really no skill position wideouts. There's nobody that really stands out. The tight ends, you know, the defense is okay. I mean, they can stop the run, which we, that, that they can do that, but to coax that team almost to the playoffs, that is a testament to John Harbaugh. I thought they were a four or five win team. That, that was talent wise. They may well be. Yeah. So that's a hell of a coaching job if, you know, so if they can improve their team, if they can improve that roster and there's already Steve Smith's already talking about, this could be his final rodeo this week here that they'll, then they'll lose basically their top wideout, you know, Joe, one of Joe Flacco's favorite targets and they have nothing in the backfield right now. That team, you don't want to say that, the arrow's not pointing up for them going into next year, but if they don't add some talent and some playmakers, that I don't, they're not going to make the playoffs next year either. No matter how hard they tried, and they clearly tried hard. They showed me. Uh, I was on board with them. I thought they were going to go and beat Pittsburgh. Uh, they they had this sort of voodoo magic that they were pulling out, even though I didn't think they were the most talented squad. And as you stated, they had that game pretty much sewn up, uh, yeah. and still found a way to lose. They had it. The game was over. I have confidence in Ozzie Newsom that he sees that what's happening on the field right now. And I, I think they know. I think they know what they need in Baltimore, and they're going to do what they can in free agency and in the draft to fortify and, and put them in a better position because they really did not have a, a very good team on offense when they took the field this year. Every every week, they had a, a talent deficit, and it was stark. 
And it started with starting the season with uh, Justin Forsett and trying to play games with him, cutting him uh, the last weekend and then picking him back up and making him the starter again, which is a good way to take every bit of confidence away from your starting running back is when you cut him before the season starts and then bring him back and try to make roster moves and play games with his with his status like that. Uh, so no wonder that he didn't recover from that and, and do anything the rest of the the, the rest of his time yeah. with Baltimore because you already told yeah, him ask, that he's a piece of shit. Basically, ask Ryan Fitzpatrick how well stuff like that goes. Not well. When your team doesn't have your back, when your team shows you what they really think of you, uh, and, and your career turns into a Taylor Swift song, you no, know, it, it does not go well. Uh, your I, I don't know which I don't know which Taylor Swift song, but that's good because I don't like Taylor Swift. All of them. Oh, okay. They're they're all about someone doesn't have my back and I'm out for revenge. That's every single fucking song she makes. Oh, they just have different I'm, words. I'm glad I know that. Uh, you can give your uh, requiem if you have any for the uh, for the Tennessee Titans, and I'll uh, give my little spiel on what I thought <sighs> yeah. of their. Of you that know, injury. we, we talked we we talked about them a lot this year. I mean, obviously that's your you know, quote unquote, hometown team. It's not your team, but it's your hometown team now. So that's your local team that you get. And, you know, we, we admired what they were doing, but that fade that they went through in, in the last few weeks, um, you know, they, they had that nice win over Kansas city. Um, but again, they were, they were doing it. I don't know how they were slapping it together because they went on an offensive explosion through the middle of the season that I don't know if they just thought they just couldn't sustain and they had to rein it in or other teams were starting to figure them out. But, but clearly what they had working with DeMarco Murray and Marcus Mariota, uh, Delaney Walker, they, they had the pieces in place. They, they were putting up huge points and they, they either got afraid or they got tight or they just didn't know what to do with some prosperity. Um but I, I least like the – we talked about the Ravens, right? I don't really – I'm not impressed with them, with their prospects for 2017. I got I kind of like Tennessee with this experience of making some of a playoff push here in a bad division uh, going into next year. So uh, overall, they didn't make the playoffs. But I will say that their season for being the Tennessee Titans with no expectations was successful. I smell a Houston Texans Memorial preseason hype team next year in the Titans, perhaps. Maybe. Can't be Houston because they made the playoffs. Uh, (laughs) Randy Bullock. Randy Bullock. Oh, no. (laughs) Is he in your Chipper Jones club now? (laughs) God. Anything to see the Texans. Anything. I'd give anything not to see the Texans in the playoffs. Saturday, 4.30 Eastern. Get ready. Get ready, Houston. And it won't be Brock Osweiler, though, so that at least keeps your narrative going because they'll just keep rolling with Tom Savage now, right? The great Tom Savage. I got my breakdown of him a little later as well. Uh, The the one thing I wanted to say about the Titans, and I echo your sentiment about how impressive that they were in the middle of the season and seemed to open up their offense for Mariota a little bit. And it rained it back in. It seemingly uh, based on opponent. It was when uh, when the Broncos came to town after their buys. When it really was kind of stark that they were trying to not have him make the big mistake, and they were just going to rely on the run game. 
the they tragedy the of the Mariota, they, they did, it worked. The tragedy of the of the Mariota injury and knocking out the, the Titans from playoff contingents, if they did make the playoffs, they had that bye as late as they did in week 12. We talked about them having that bye in week 12. Them and the Cleveland Browns, for some reason, have their bye so late in the season. And to me, that would have set them up to be able to do what they did to the Broncos when they came into Nashville, which is bust them in the fucking mouth and run down their throats, tag teaming DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry back and forth, bam, 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 just lefts and rights to the jaw. And then Mariota dropping back, being afraid to throw and taking off himself and, and running for a lot of yards because he's a very, very good athlete as well. They would have been set up to be less tired than some potential playoff opponent, and they could have gotten through around or maybe even two. They could have out a couple of teams and made an actual playoff run just by having their bye so late. They would have been fresher. They would have been ready to run down anyone's throat at, that got in their way. They could have went into Houston and wildcard weekend and won 30 to nothing just like Kansas City did last year. They were set up to do some damage in the playoffs if they would have made it in the playoffs. And that injury, and 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 actually before the injury, they were getting outplayed by the Jaguars completely. Yeah. And I have no explanation for that. But it, you know, everyone has a bad game. Everyone's entitled to a bad game. It's not like they're the 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 late '80s 49ers or something. They're the, they're still the Titans. Uh, but nonetheless. That's the real shame of that injury to me is they actually were set up, in my opinion, to to be ready to make a run by just busting anybody that got in their way with their run game and with their underrated offensive line. And now that's not going to happen. Yeah, they were they were sneaky. And you never like that sneaky team, you know, <laughs> that 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 team that nobody really sees coming. And then they sort of like catch fire and then they, they, they get into the playoffs. We really don't have that sort of sneaky team this year. Uh, that team that's that's really getting hot at just the perfect time, and but but doing it sort of under the radar, so that disqualifies uh, Green Bay, which is sort of that that sort of hot shit team that that's gotten really you know caught fire late, but everybody sees it. it so the Green Bay is not sneaking up on anybody. Tennessee could have had that uh, that that ability to do that. Other, you know, and, and Houston doesn't count because it's sort of like, you know, it's Houston, you know, been there, done. They're like the Bengals, you know, making the playoffs. Everybody knows yeah, you know Houston gets how in, far they're going to go. And they're yeah, they're going to go one more week, one more game. That's what generally everybody assumes they're going to get out of Houston. And uh, the Packers playing. Great football, unless you're Adam Thielen, in which case you're just going off all over the, the Packers yeah. secondary. You've been talking about that's, the Packers. That's their ball. weakness. That's their weakness. They 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 lose track of other teams. I usually will say best wide receivers, and that was Stephon Diggs in the first matchup when Sam Bradford gashed them. So maybe the Packers are like, well, we're not going to let him do that to us again and just completely left Adam Thielen wide open um interest we'll see what ha we'll see if that has any impact on my pick <laughs> that's foreshadowing folks uh, that's a crazy story in minnesota with the defensive backs apparently defying their coach mike zimmer and, and as far as trying yeah. to cover uh, jordy nelson 
Yeah. I guess and having it not work. From, and the DB said, no, nah, we got this. We know what we're doing. No, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. And then Clearly when they finally did make the switch, Xavier Rhodes completely cut down, uh, shut down Jordy Nelson. Right. So that that's so maybe really coaches, weird. Maybe they're the coaches for a reason. And the Vikings, I thought their strength was how good the coaching staff was and how much Mike Zimmer had gotten respect and, and really rallied that team uh, the last few years to sort of be this take-no-prisoners, hard-hitting, hard-nosed type team. But I thought that they were taking the, the personality of their coach and doing that. I never expected something like that to happen where they just kind of mutiny against Mike Zimmer. Yeah. And, and that just shows how hard it has been and had to has had to have been on the Vikings as a team to go five and oh like that and wind up completely missing the playoffs. The the toll that that had to take on them mentally and emotionally, I hate to to say it or or bring it up and I'm I'm sure if I brought it up to Cash she would have some some words for me that weren't wouldn't be so nice. But something like that might be the end might be the beginning of the end of Mike Zimmer. That might be something where you look back two years from now when Zimmer is being fired and you go, well, this is where it started. It was in that season where they started five and zero, but everything went tumbling down and, and it resulted in the team sort of mutinying against him and defying his orders directly. Uh, that's where stuff like that starts. And it might be the beginning of the end for Mike Zimmer, unfortunately. It's possible, but they had a lot of things that go against them. You know, I have to say that even if you take away that 5-0 and start and you think back to where it was before the season started, this isn't too far from where I figured they'd be. Great defense, Sam Bradford's running your offense. The 5-0 and got everyone's expectations up. But what, you know, what we talked about was the way they were winning games was not sustainable. And it clear, you know, and then the then the couple wins that they've had since then have mostly looked like those first five. They'd get that game where they'd get that special team score, the defensive score, or both, and they would win a game. If they didn't have those things go their way, they didn't win football Oof. games. And that's hard to do. It is. I, but how do you get that bad that quick? On offense, it wasn't just Sam Bradford. It was the fact that they had no yeah. running game, and that's not Sam Bradford's fault. Because yeah. these guys were there last year as Aziata and McKinnon, and yeah. backing up Adrian Peterson. Not that, they didn't look this not very bad. Good. They're not very good to begin with running the football. Those two guys. No, I'm saying they were there when when AP was there and, and spelling him every now and then. I I thought they were yeah. both better than this. I really did. And when he went down with his injury, I'm thinking McKinnon is going to take over and be the bell cow back, and Asiato will be a perfect uh, substitute, smash mouth, you know, goal line guy. And I watched Asiata get to the goal line so many times this year and get stuffed over and over and yeah. over again. Yes. And McKinnon wasn't any better. And I don't know what that is. That maybe that's just an offensive line issue. But that that that's Sam Bradford could not have succeeded. No quarterback could have succeeded getting no help in the running game like that because defense didn't didn't have anything else to key on. It was just all about stop the receivers because we know the running game isn't going to go anywhere. Are you are you deflecting off the, uh, your criti- the criticism off your boy? That's not my boy. And, and I, 
We all it's a little joke here, folks. Andre loves <laughs> Sam Bradford. <laughs> And I hate the thought of deflecting anything off of Sam Bradford, but the fact is, it wasn't all his fault. It really wasn't. No, uh, but it's no, he, 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 But you look at where he his performance was from when he started off to where it ended up. Reminds me of like Mark Sanchez every time he would start for a new team, like when he was in Philly, and he'd start off like, like "Whoa, look at this." The sky's the limit. He he he's got that Chip Kelly offense. It's like, you know, and then he just craters a few weeks later. Hey, you start putting, what? You start putting, yeah, you start putting some stuff on tape, and teams start figuring you out, and things change. Things change really badly. Speaking of yeah, change, really Sam badly. Bradford, though, unfortunately, uh, for Sam Bradford, unfortunately, the change was he went back to normal. Right. Oh my goodness, he he just does not want to throw the ball to his own team very often. He just loves throwing it to the other team. First round pick, number one overall pick, number one. And they gave up a first round pick for him. Which, oh, considering where the Vikings finished now, that's got to be <laughs> twelve, thirteen, right? Oh my goodness. It's going to be uh, a somewhat decent pick. It is. That it is. It, oh. I, I still have trouble really blaming them for making the pick. I still say that I think Bradford might be their guy, maybe even long term, just because I remember what I heard about the Teddy Bridgewater injury when it happened, which was it was so yeah. gruesome that they thought for a while that he was going to have to, he might lose the leg. So I don't know if he's playing football anymore. And, and so you need a quarterback and, and Bradford is not very good, but think about the other guys that are out there and do you want any part of them? So I, I still actually have trouble as much as I don't like Sam Bradford. I still have trouble criticizing yeah. the trade. Yeah. There's no guarantee the Vikings are drafting a better guy at 12 this year, right? No, I, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, speaking of bad quarterback play, your favorite team, the AFC South champion, Houston Texans. Oh. Who once again are in the playoffs thanks to the Titans losing and, and somehow surviving that awful, awful game against the Bengals on uh, Saturday night oh, on Christmas hang on. Eve. I got to get some my Lanta. Hang on. Uh, while Jason gets his barf bag and then gets ready to uh, lose his the contents of his dinner, uh, here's my Tom Savage breakdown. I, I remember watching Brock Osweiler extensively uh, last year because Broncos had a lot of national TV games because of Peyton Manning, and uh, so therefore Osweiler a lot of his action I got to watch. Tom Savage his first start his full his first full game in relief of the ineffective Brock Osweiler, ironically, um, was a national telecast. So I got to watch Tom Savage and my grade on Tom Savage as a quarterback. I gave him a C and that's on a little bit of a curve because the Bengals defensive line was eating him alive. And I think he did really a lot worse than he could have, uh, because of what the Bengals were, were doing to him. I think they, there's room for improvement. There's a lot of room for improvement, 
but I don't know if he would have been quite this bad against uh, an, an average uh, defensive pressure uh, situation. This wasn't average. The Bengals were coming after him. Uh, they have a very talented defensive front, and they, they don't play like it all the time. But Savage had a lot of trouble in that first half. It looked like it, he wasn't going to have any success at all. And, and finally uh, got into a little bit of rhythm to start the third quarter and, and actually showed a, a decent arm to me. He really rips those completions in there. When he finally completes some passes, he lets it rip and, and gets it gets it to where it's supposed to be. Uh, it, it's not a really soft throw. I, I like his arm, uh, but there's a lot of uh, issues with him. He, he, I liked how he was relaxed and wasn't trying too hard at the beginning of the game, but maybe he was a little too relaxed because once the D line uh, started getting home to him, he, he wasn't letting it go. He wasn't pulling the trigger. And there was a couple of times where he had time before the defense got there and he just didn't let it go because he didn't trust himself. So there, there's a fine line. You can be, over excited and, and make mistakes and you can be too relaxed. So I, he was, he was right on the edge there, maybe a little too relaxed. And like I said, when he finally got some time, he, he let some throws go. The two things, the two biggest uh, concerns for Savage in my observation, but I don't know exactly what to make of these two things yet. But uh, my thing is he didn't appear to have uh any eye discipline. He was looking his, his throws in, he was looking his receivers down and the defensive backs were able to get there because he was just staring his intended receivers down. And he was very mechanical when he, when he didn't stare his receivers down and he actually tried to make reads. It was really mechanical. It was like, you could see his body just turn one, turn two, turn three. three. It was like, it was watching a robot or watching uh, the, you know, the, the foot, the electronic football guys, uh, on the, on the board, just kind of moving around in a very robotic fashion. Um, it, it was very, very mechanical. And the thing about those two issues that will not let me say that he's a complete failure and he's not going to do anything at all in the playoffs is that both of those things can absolutely improve with experience, which Tom Savage doesn't have. I don't know if He's going to get enough experience to improve those things in the playoffs, but he might. That's the thing. That's the only thing that keeps me from completely saying that the Texans are are done and they're not going to do anything at all uh, on that Saturday wildcard game that we know they're going to play at 430 in the afternoon. Is yes. That if, he gets, if, <laughs> if he gets enough experience in that short amount of time, he, he can improve those two things, and those are his two biggest weaknesses from what I saw. But if he doesn't improve those those two things, yes, the Texans are completely fucked. So that's my assessment of Tom Sad. Well, well, thank you, John Gruden. Spider 2, why banana? I love that. Let me tell you something. I love this kid. He leaves the league in guts. Now, that's not a, a Gruden assessment because Gruden sees no bad things in any quarterbacks. He loves <laughs> okay. everybody. So, so, so did you do, was that a Ron Jaworski uh, breakdown right there? Very mechanical in the pocket. <laughs> there was a Jaworski breakdown. I have to end every sentence with this big punch. Like right. he has no eye discipline. Yeah, right. And if you were doing your UB Brown assessment, you would talk about his tremendous upside potential. This kid, I tell you what, he's got tremendous upside, but he's got he's got things that he needs to still work on. But listen, let me let me show you this film right here. Now watch this move right here. Where he puts his feet in the wrong place. He's got the footwork all 
all off balance. He's got the left foot outside and the right foot is behind. He needs to get his footwork wet. He needs to get right where he needs to get in the, in the pocket, in that perfect spot right there. I can tell the upside that this kid has. I tell you what, he, he's got that upside potential. It's, it's really tremendous. I tell you, it's really tremendous. Thank you, Yubi. You're welcome. No, I just I, I saw the uh, I saw enough Osweiler games. I was able to get sort of my full uh, view of what he was all about, and I and I got this one game with Savage. I got to get a full view. I can't do that for for McGloin and uh, Matt Moore oh, and these yeah. other guys that are going to be in the playoffs uh, because I haven't seen full games of theirs at all. So I, I can't really say anything about that. But if I see full games, I will actually uh, say something about that too. If I see uh, enough yeah. to to where I can get an assessment. In. Just think of the that quarterback landscape. We got three backups, all scheduled to start playoff games here uh, coming up. That's gonna be that's gonna be wild. We could have a matchup of Matt McGloin at Tom Savage or uh, <laughs> Matt Moore. Oh boy! Oh yeah, four thirty Saturday. That's where we'll be. And some ugly games, possibly even after four thirty on on Saturday. Uh, yeah, wildcard weekend might be some some really bad football, folks. So don't say I, I didn't say anything. Don't say I didn't warn you. Uh, so oh, we should pick some else? games. Huh? No, I think we should I'm pick some games. Which sixteen that you wanted to get to, or yeah, yeah. I think it's time to get to. Week 17 action, and we're only going to break down in, in any kind of detail uh, the one game that actually matters uh, as far as highlight games go. It's the one that they flexed out to week 17 Sunday night football. It's the only game of consequence as far as winner gets a division title and loser potentially goes home. It is the Packers and the Lions. Uh, they're both nine and six. Uh, the ramifications of a loss are such that the uh, loser goes down to nine and seven, and they would be in danger of missing the playoffs. But uh, again, the Buccaneers have to have 800 things happen, so that's probably not going to take place. Uh, but the Redskins will be waiting right there in the wings if if Washington can win their game. And go to nine, six, and one. Then the uh, NFC North Championship game loser going to nine and seven drops them below the Redskins and puts the Redskins in the playoffs. So it's a big, big game, of course, for winning the division, but also to determine who's actually in the playoffs in the NFC. So Green Bay uh, three and four on the road this year, and the Lions six and one at home. Uh, would put one in the mind to think that Detroit would be the favorite, but because the Packers are the Packers and because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, of course, is a three-point road favorite in this game. Packers give three at the Lions. Jason, who you got? And not a surprising line based off where these two teams have sort of, how they've ended up at both nine and six. The Lions' clear command over that division. This feels eerily similar uh, to to a few years ago when we went through the same thing with the Lions where they were running away with the division that somehow got completely run down by the Packers um, at the end of the year. So here we are again, the Lions in control 
worked very hard to get control of that division um, and have all everything going for them, and then and then have sort of managed to just sort of uh, whittle this all away while the Packers have managed to get hot at the absolute best possible time that you want to get hot, which is rolling right towards the playoffs. So here's that we've got that perfect collision course between the the white hot team and that team that's just flailing. Um, and this is and this is sort of the last gasp. This is that last chance for the Lions at home to 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 win the division, the thing that's been there. They they could win any of these last few games. It would be all over. And you know, we keep calling it the legitimacy bowl for the Lions, and they keep managing to lose the legitimacy bowl. But I am actually going to take the Detroit Lions on their last gasp, on their last chance, um, to take this one. I, I, I go back to that first game in Green Bay, and only by virtue of Green Bay jumping out to a gigantic halftime lead in that game, um, did they manage to win that game at all. Matthew Stafford carved the Packers secondary, a healthier Packers secondary back then, Matthew Stafford completely carved them to pieces. Uh, he made Marvin Jones look like Jerry Rice in that game. And Marvin Jones, yes, Marvin Jones uh, pulled the Adam Thielen on the Packers. And this is the problem with the Packers is they only have enough decent cornerbacks to basically cover one guy, maybe two. Uh, Matthew Stafford will not have to be so perfect in this game like he's had to be in all the other games where he's got to throw that ball into the, into the, you know, super tight window. And we, we highlighted this a few shows ago where I was uh, praising him for how precise and perfect that he's had to be to get the lions to where they are. And the Packers have not through this run played a team with that passing potential. And when they have played teams with that sort of passing ability, like Atlanta uh, they've lost. So I think that the, I don't think there's going to be any running game involved for the Detroit Lions here. I think this is going to be Matthew Stafford carving up that secondary of the Packers and doing it at home. Like you said, six and one at home. They're clearly are going to have the home field advantage. And if they can hang tight, um, they clearly, I, I always point out, I pointed out a few times, Matt Prater, he, he can kick some bombs from deep. Um, I could see very easily Matt Prater kicking the Lions into the playoffs with like his like a 57-yard field goal to, to take the Packers by a point or two. So I'm going against the trends here because the, clearly the trends are Lions on the way up and I mean on the way down and the Packers on the way up. They're sort of passing each other on the escalator. Um, but I, I like enough of the Lions in sort of a desperation mode to catch the Packers secondary um, and expose them again. So I'm going to actually go with the lions here to send the Packers Injury. packing. Well, I see what you did there. Uh, Injury situation in this game uh, for the green Bay Packers. James Starks will once again be missing, but that's probably to the Packers advantage because they've discovered. I didn't know he was there. <laughs> has he been there? Um, unfortunately he has. But once they got him out and got Ty Montgomery in, they discovered that they don't have a need for him anymore. So he's going to be uh, inactive for this one as well. Randall Cobb has a bad ankle, 
And I don't know if he's going to play. And if he does, I don't know if he's going to play much. So that might be a situation where it's going to be Jordy Nelson uh, and Devontae Adams all day back and forth up and down the field for the Packers. But Aaron Rodgers has proven the last few weeks that's fine. He doesn't really need Randall Cobb at the moment, as hot as he's been. Uh, For the Lions, uh, you talked about their lack of a running game. Uh, Theo Reddick, probably their best running back, even though he's better as a pass catcher than a running back, but he uh, is also going to miss this game once again. He's been out for the last four weeks or so. Uh, And their best cornerback, Darius Slay, has a hammy, and that's really bad news to try to cover the Packers' wide receivers is when your best cornerback has a hamstring injury. Uh, I think he's going to get out there and give it a go, but I don't know how effective he's going to be. Uh, As you mentioned, in week three, Detroit went up to Green Bay, lost 34-27, to but uh, not for lack of trying, as we know the Lions have tried and tried and tried against every team this year and have amassed this 9-6 and record that they have. Uh, And you talked about Marvin Jones going for over 200 yards in that game, and and he may well do it again uh, in this game. Um, You broke down a lot of uh, what's out there for this game, so I'll just add that uh, as hot as Aaron Rodgers has been, the Detroit Lions are so dangerous late. They have been all year. They're at home. They've got that 6-1 and one home record. Uh, I'm going to concur and take the Detroit Lions, even though I can see the, the Packers winning the game. I don't know if I can see them winning by more than three points. So it, it, I guess it smells pushy to me. Uh, but instead of going with the favorite when it smells pushy, which I normally do, I'm actually going to go backwards and fall back on the Lions uh, because it it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they found a way to sneak this one out late. And it wouldn't surprise me if if Green Bay got a late score and Detroit had the lead and and Green Bay snuck in there and won by one or two points. Um, So I I don't feel like this is a lock or anything like that. But yeah, the Packers, Everyone thinks that they are just the hottest thing in the world, and that's how they've been playing. And and I've been at the vanguard. I've been right there at the front talking about how the pack is back and and Aaron Rodgers is back, and they're playing the way they're supposed to play, and they got some bad uh, offenses so that their defense could get fat and get back on track. Well, the the Lions, whatever you want to say about them, that's not a bad offense, and they showed in week three how good they can be. That was on Green Bay's turf. Now they're at home. Yeah, I feel safer taking the Lions in this game than I do the Packers. Uh, and I admit the Packers are probably the better team, but I'm going to agree with you and take the Lions anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be stunned either to see the Lions sort of winning the, the Lions way um, with yeah. a late comeback or, you know, we have a lead late below it. And you don't want Matthew Stafford having the ball late this year. I mean, he's 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 turning in his Matt Ryan impersonation this year late with the football. Um, for you know, we've dogged Matt Ryan a lot over the years, but we both agree you don't want Matt Ryan having the ball late <laughs> with a chance to win the game, especially if it's just for a field goal. If you need, if you've got thirty seconds left and you need to go sixty yards for a field goal. And they said, who do you want doing that? I think we'd both pick Matt Ryan. We'd, we'd take him over, I think, anybody. But Matt Stafford has almost gotten to that level with his comebacks this year, and they're coming back with touchdowns. So I don't think the Lions will have a we're-out-of-it mentality. They clearly didn't have it in that first matchup with the Packers where they had I – mean, they were just getting destroyed in halftime in that game. 
and then the Green Bay secondary, and you know, and that Mike McCarthy, um, my favorite coach. Uh, no <laughs> halftime adjustments, so we could again see the Packers come out, look hot, be up, and you know, and just sort of let that thing get pissed away. They did it against the Bears. They did it against the Lions. The, the Packers love getting early leads and either clinging to them for dear life or watching them evaporate. Can there be two Matty Ices in the league? Is that allowed? Can that Stafford be Matty Ice? Boy, I don't know. You know, because Matt Ryan's what he's been doing over his career with that late comeback uh, magic has been uncanny. Uh, but we always sort of knocked him for not being able to get the touchdown late. And he's added that in uh, more recently where we've seen when they need the touchdown late, he's been able to seal the deal with touchdowns. Um, yeah, Matt Stafford's trying to trying to join that rank um, of being sort of that, not 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 necessarily captain comeback, but just that last drive, captain last drive. Right? He just needs, just give me the ball late. And one chance to win the game, and this year, uh, what is it, eight out of their nine wins, he's been good for it. Uh, and that's why he's in the MVP conversation. A lot of these young kids don't yeah. know how to do that. They're so afraid to make that throw in the end zone, to make that touchdown pass. They're afraid of getting it turned over, picked off, or something like that. And he's not afraid. He's been around too long to be afraid of that. So that's why Matt Stafford is doing what he's doing. That's what a veteran looks like. That's what a number one overall pick looks like, Sam Bradford. Yeah. That's what it looks and like. I wanna, and I think we have to give Matthew Stafford, I don't want to jinx the poor guy, but I think we have to give Matthew Stafford some credit for sort of uh, beating back the China doll jokes. That, that used to mm -hmm. be your nickname for him. That wasn't mine. His uh, offensive lineman gave him that nickname. Well, yeah. But <laughs> Unfortunately for we him. Were very fond of, we were very fond of, of recalling that. Uh, you you yeah. loved calling that. And... Uh, no one's questioning his toughness anymore or his fragility. Oh, hell no. Yeah, he's, so. he's as tough as it comes. He's taking some hellacious yeah. hits this year, uh, including, of course, the, the bent back middle finger. And he's playing through that as well. And, he, and he's yeah. still going. So, so it's uh, surprising. I, I, I have a feeling that before you came into the show, you had a feeling one of us was taking the Packers. Yeah, I really did. And I thought it was going to be me. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but that. Uh, that, that, that three kind of scared me off. I don't know why, but uh, I, I, I can imagine the Lions winning this game. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and take you it. You also don't, there. you know, we never really want to say that the odds makers are given any motivation, but how would you feel being the Lions this week with the season that you've had being a home dog? That's just one so more little got thing. the same record as you. Yeah. That's just one more little thing on the fire. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I would not be stunned to see Detroit come out and uh and and ball out pretty hard and 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 kind of gut out a win i also wouldn't be shocked to see the packers go in there and win you know 37 to 14 <laughs> so so neither one of us feel great about the pig but that's no. our official pick with the lions yeah i i have to say i feel better about taking the lions just because it's that it's also that week 17 thing and it's that voodoo weird stuff that no matter how many things have gone against the lions here late they still have that chance they're the hungry team and you know i almost don't want to think that the packers might be the overconfident team because they haven't beaten some also rands here the last few weeks i mean houston in the snow the bears 
the Vikings that are completely falling apart. You know, Detroit's been playing the Cowboys, <laughs> the Giants. Mm. I mean, you know, playoff teams, and the Packers have been getting fat on some bums. The Lions no, aren't bums. No, you know, really not. this could be the legitimacy bowl. Wow. As much of a test as they could possibly be because they have to win this game to secure a playoff spot. There's no other, yeah. uh, there, there's no game. going back. You know, it, it really it, is. It absolutely is a playoff game. Yes. The team that loses could still back in, but this is a playoff game. And we'll both feel much more confident about this. If, this coin comes up tails because of course coin takes the favorites with heads and the underdogs with tails. <laughs> right. So will coin agree with us or go against us? Here's the first official flip of this week. Sorry, Jason coin is against us. Comes up. Heads, oh. so it's the green Bay Packers circle it. <sighs> yep. You can lock that shit up. All right, on to the rest of Week 17 and the other 15 games left and even more less detail as I fumble the coin away without even flipping it. Where the hell did it go? Oh, there it is. All right. Uh, We will start with, of course, our former hometown team, the Bears, the Chicago Bears, uh, going up to Minnesota, the other NFC North matchup, Bears and Vikings. Uh, Let's see, Week 8, Monday night, Bears showed some balls. Knocked off the Vikings at Soldier Field 20-10. to 10. Remember that game. It was stunning how much they showed up in that game. We did not expect that at all. Uh, they are six-and-a-half-point underdogs in this one going up to Minnesota. Yeah, I, I don't like I don't like the turmoil right now in Minnesota. That, that story with the Xavier Rhodes and the defense just sort of rebelling against the coach that's got to have some kind of a carryover effect. I and and even though the Bears couldn't do it last week, I'm going with Matt McGloin, uh, not Matt McGloin, Matt Barkley to get me a cheap cover. Because uh, up until last week, he was captain cheap cover, the human cover machine. I'll take the Bears and the points. Yeah, I'll concur. I'll take the Bears. They probably win this game too because the Vikings are falling apart and seem to be mutinying against their coach and that's a real shame to see that but yeah, this, this is the Bears trick too. It doesn't matter. It's week 17. They're completely out of it so they'll win this game and give everybody on Chicago Sports Talk Radio something to talk about. Oh, they put it together. They might be on their way. They're, the Bears are always the, the preseason yeah. hype team for next year no matter how bad they look because they're in Chicago, and that's all people talk about up there sometimes. And you'll get to listen uh, to all the fans in Chicago on the score talk about how they need to lock up Matt Barkley to a long-term contract now. Exactly. He's the man. Get color out of there. Matt Barkley's better. Uh, see what coin thinks about that. Oh, comes up his. So the coin is going with the Vikings. Oh, boy. And Bradford. Not a good sign. Never a good sign. Uh, the one in fourteen Cleveland Browns finally got their first win, and for that they have to go to Pittsburgh. But the Steelers in a situation at ten and five where they're locked into their spots, so you're not going to see a lot of the Steelers out there. Uh, the, both all three of the triplets I think are not going to play. Darius Green, the tight end, is not going to play. Uh, week eleven, Pittsburgh went to Cleveland in a sloppy game and wound up beating them anyway, twenty-four to nine. 
In this one, the Browns come in as six-point underdogs at Pittsburgh, and I guess RG3 is going to be back under center yeah. again for the Browns. Yeah, interesting note was that line was 13 until oh. they announced that the the sort of big three there down in uh, out in Pittsburgh weren't going to play in this game. I'm Cleveland got their win. So as far as I'm concerned, they're done. They're on the golf course. I'm actually going to take the Steelers scrubs to cover this number against Cleveland. I can't do that. It's just it's too much talent off the field. When you talk about Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and Ladarius Green, it's like who's left? Uh, I think it might be the other way. The Browns have the pressure off now, so they might be playing right. more relaxed, more loose. They might have a lot more fun and, and yeah. have a lot more success out there. So I will take the Browns into six points, and they'll probably win the game because the Steelers are taking so many talented guys off the field on purpose. So we'll see how that shakes down. What does Coin think of what's going to happen down there? Heads again. So Whoa. that is the Steelers. So that's with you. A lot of heads so far. I gotta maybe flip this yeah. thing higher or something. I don't know. Are you not letting it spin? I, just, I may know, not have. The, are you doing the dead the, man the, toss there? The thing just goes up and flops <laughs> down like the ref. You know. I'm trying not to do that, but that that may have happened a couple times there. Uh, the Jaguars and the Colts in the AFC South matchup. That does not matter. Both teams completely eliminated. Week four, Jacksonville in London. The, the London Jaguars knocked off the Colts 30 to 27. Um, in this one, the Jags are at three and 12 or four and a half point underdogs at the seven and eight Colts. Yeah. Uh, well, it's week 17. What do you do? Neither team needs anything here as far as a win goes. The Jaguars kind of snuck up on the Titans last week, but the Colts. I'll give the Colts credit. They played well late, uh, and they did acquit themselves pretty well in Oakland. I think that the Colts play with a little bit more pride here in this game, and uh, they finished their season on a high note. I'm going to take the Colts. I don't know what that was the Jaguars are playing with against the Titans. A, a Doug Marone magic or something. I have no idea, but they were killing the Titans before Mariota's injury yeah. uh, and then killed them afterwards including throwing backwards passes to the quarterback. They're trying to get Blake Bortles a Heisman Trophy. I always love it when they do that. It's just completely unnecessary. But, you know, coaches have to show off their geniusness every now and then. So, uh, well, wait, actually, is that more geniusness than having Dontari Poe throw a touchdown pass? <laughs> well, that's at least that's Andy Reid. At least you know that he's just crazy. That looks like you throwing a touchdown shit. pass, by the way. I think I've got some weight on Mr. Poe. I think. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that, 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 that's about me. the way you would have thrown it. That just sort of like jump in the air, push the ball into the end zone kind of thing. Uh, I've seen that you thing, throw a football. Yeah, that that's why you know that wasn't anything that I would have thrown. My throw <laughs> would have flipped so many times in the air before it got to the end zone. Oh, that's that's true. You did sort of have the end over end football yeah, throw. I wasn't trying to do that, that, but down. that's just. That's how it came out. What can I say? Um, actually, I had to look to Pro Football Focus in this one for a, a stat. They talked about Jalen Ramsey. You went to stats in for the week seventeen. I'm desperate. It's week seventeen. I don't know what else to do. Uh, and you just talked about this game that there's nothing to play for, so it's really hard to pick. So I had to look for something. 
they talked about Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguars cornerback, uh, 10 pass defenses slash interceptions the last four weeks. That leads the NFL. He's been balling out. The Jaguars played with some pride last week under Doug Marone, and I'm going to take them to play with some more pride and beat the Indianapolis Colts in this one because I have no idea. It's week 17. It's week 17. That's the explanation for everything. What does Coin think of that as I flip it on the rug to see it gives us a little more bounce? Nope, it still came up heads. Wow. Four heads in a row for the coins. So We're the coins defying the odds right the now. We really are. Moving on to the Cowboys and the Eagles, and here's here's a classic Week 17 game where yeah. we got all this turmoil about what the Cowboys are going to do, and no one knows who's playing, who's resting, who's doing what. Will Tony Romo play? Will uh, our, our buddy uh, Mark Sanchez get in there? Will Total Boy. Fraud snap? <laughs> I have a contingency pick based on who comes in <laughs> after Dak Prescott? Oh, my God. That would be uh, intricate. We have to wait for the game to start. Wait for Dak Prescott to play his couple Prescott, series. If Tony Romo comes in, can I go one way? And if Dak... uh, what if no, it's Sanchez? I think... Oh, okay. I think the board says no. We cannot allow picks to be made depending on what happens in the in middle game of the results. game. No, yeah, we can't do that. Uh, so because of all of that, uh, the clearly superior 13 and two Cowboys uh, and went uh, it had, Oh, they had uh, Philly come in week eight on Sunday night and the Eagles actually gave them a game before Dallas got a touchdown in overtime and beat them 29, 23. So the Eagles gave them a bit of a fight, but the clearly superior Cowboys are four and a half point under. How do you make up the, the point spread is what I want to know. If you got all this turmoil going on, how do you, how do you come up with four and a half? But the Cowboys are underdogs at the Eagles. Right. And, and again, this is the same thing that we talked about that I should have taken warning for myself last week with the Lions when I picked the Lions because I made the case for why I should have taken Dallas, which was they'll sit Dak Prescott and they'll sit Ezekiel Elliott and they'll sit Antonio Bryant, but that offensive line is still going to be out there. Those guys are still going to be mauling the Eagles up and down the field. Uh, I think that the points are too much. I'm not necessarily saying that I don't think the Eagles can win because they can because it's week 17, but I'll, I'll take the 13 and two team in the points. Why not? Because it's week 17. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I'll I'll take the uh, the six and nine team and I'll give the four and a half because it's week 17. And similar to uh, the Steelers, I think the Cowboys are going to take a little too much talent off the field, and the Eagles will play as if it matters because that's all they have, and they're actually going to win the game by more than four and a half points. At least that's how I feel. Let's see how Coin feels about this matchup as I flip it even higher and see, oh, there's a tail, finally. So that is the underdog Cowboys. So once again, you and the Coin are in I have noticed up. that the Coin has been with me a lot today. Indeed. Uh, the last three picks in a row. That could be good. Uh, and, and and I'm against both of you on those three picks, so I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Might have to rig this coin now. Uh, Buffalo and the Jets in the AFC East action, quote-unquote action. Buffalo with their new coach, Anthony Lynn, and the Jets with their old coach, Todd Bowles, even though his team seems to have sort of quit on him. Uh, this one in week 
two was a Thursday night affair where the Jets beat Buffalo 37 to 31. So at one point, once upon a time, these two teams tried to score points. I know it's hard to believe now, uh, but a lot has happened since week two. Uh, so seven and eight Buffalo, three and a half point road favorites, actually, even though they're starting EJ Manuel at quarterback at four and 11 gang green. Yeah. And, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was this E.J. Manuel and some combination of Ryan Fitzpatrick and is is it still Bryce Petty? Uh, oh, I think he's I think he's out. I think he's hurt. Is he hurt? Oh, I think it's, I think it's all fit. Can, can we have a push on a hook? I'm on three and a half. <laughs> this is terrible. E, oh, E.J. Manuel. That's almost Geno Smith bad. And we might see him, right? Is he hurt too? Is everybody hurt? I think Um, Geno Smith is hurt too. I'll go with the Jets just because this is sort of Ryan Fitzpatrick's last audition for anything. Anything meaningful that comes out of this for him for next year. This is the last thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick gets to put on tape. So he's playing for himself at the moment, not for the team. I'm going to go for the Jets. I'm going to take the guy playing for money. You, I'm shocked. You can't. I, I thought you you couldn't do that. If Buffalo wins, they make eight and eight. That's what they you've been calling eight, eight, all yeah. season long. <laughs> that's, that's, your, that, that's your call. It's also EJ Manuel, though. If this was Tyrod Taylor, Manuel to start. Week I did not. Is, yeah. Right. If I knew that EJ Manuel was playing for the Bills all year, <laughs> they, it would not have them eight and eight. And no, they uh, they Rex Ryan wouldn't have done that to himself either. Um, no, I, I'm going with the Bills. They got to get to eight and eight. That's what you've been saying all this time. No, I'm I'm going. <laughs> no, I'm also going with the Bills because uh, Roto World, which is a source uh, that I trust very yeah. much, seems to indicate that uh, the the Jets beat writers think that uh, Bilal Powell and Brandon Marshall aren't really trying any. They 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 might play, but they they're, but they're not there. They're already checked out there's all there's so there's a lot of turmoil in that locker room as well with defensive guys calling out brandon marshall and brandon marshall sniping back at them uh that team is that both of these teams are dumpster fires quite frankly dual dumpster fires out there but uh, i'll take the bills and give the three and a half because i'm not sure the jets are going to show up at all ah. and coin has an opinion on that game as well hey that got a lot of flip it, it's spinning it got so much flip it actually hit the ground and spun which is awesome, and still came up heads. Uh, so the coin is with me with the favorite Buffalo Bills on that one. On to, since, on to Cincinnati, uh, where they will be hosting the Baltimore Ravens, who are unfortunately eliminated from playoff contention. I, I thought I was going to get that. It was it was close. It was really close. Uh, this one in Week 12 went to Baltimore 19-14. It was the Bengals' first game without A.J. Green. And, and the Bengals have competed without A.J. Green in pretty much all their games, but that was yeah. the first one, and they, they lost. That's the story of the Bengals without A.J. Green. Is they, they competed. They kept playing. They kept losing uh, and fell very quickly out of contention, but at least they did keep playing. Uh, so this one, Baltimore is only a one-point underdog at Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Ravens here. This is, the, the, if anything, they have that win one for Steve Smith angle. So this will be the Steve Smith game to give them a little. And they're also the more, I won't say, I can't necessarily say they're the more talented team. 
but they're definitely the better coached team. They definitely keep their shit together. They don't lose their marbles every time they go out on the field. Um, and well, I, I'm hoping this is the end of Marvin Lewis for his sake and ours. Hmm. I'm going to go with the Ravens here to just play with a little bit more pride um, and, uh, and and get that win that should have put them in the playoffs. Oh, I could have swore I read that Marvin Lewis is like guaranteed to come back. Like that's already a done deal. So, oh God, why? What did, did they just did? Did the, did the Roonies take that team over? Win. They just refused to get rid of coaches. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, he he's there. He's locked in. I could. Some people figure they could do a lot worse if they let him go and they wind up with some Jamoke, you know, the next Rich Kotite or something. And then now, you know, now what? <laughs> So I guess I kind of uh, understand, but yeah, you can't it, have it, that it, attitude though. You can't have that. Let's, you know, the devil, you know, attitude, you can't have that attitude when you've watched that team, especially let melt down the way they did in the playoffs last year and then fall apart this year with all the expectations get crushed by the weight of the expectations um, with the same roster the coach has got to go. That's my viewpoint as well, that you know what the the big flaw in this team is, that they're undisciplined and that they don't seem to respect anything or anybody. But the flip side, I guess, is he can easily turn around and say, look, my best player was out the last quarter of the season. What, have I spe- what was I expected to do? You can't put garbage him with him. They stunk <laughs> with him. They didn't stink as quite as bad. Oh, but, okay. Uh, they, only were, they were only mostly shit. Now they're just right. shit. Got that's it. it. That's the argument he can make. I'm just saying. Um, but this was my playoff team. I love them. They they outplayed the Steelers last week. They found a way to lose the game. I'm going to give so much love to the Ravens. I'm going to lock them up. I, I just love them. What can, I say? In week can you even have a lock in week 17? <laughs> it doesn't could matter. Could you imagine that's if we were tied in the locks going into week 17 and we had to try to figure oh out God. a lock out of this mess? You might want to do a coin flip to, to choose your lock in week 17 because that's how crazy yeah. it is. I'm going to pick a name out of a hat, and that'll be my lock this week. Pretty much. Uh, so either way, we both agree on the Ravens. Are you saying you don't have a lock this week? Is that, what, is that your way of saying uh, you I'll didn't bother up, to? I'll, I'll, I'll come up with one. <laughs> I got the You'll thing all sewn up. up. Come on. Coin lands on tails. Coin agrees with us and takes the underdog, quote unquote, underdog Ravens. So there's yeah. the first time where we're all across all three of us. So that's always a good thing. Uh, New England and Miami. Uh, New England actually have something to play for still. They will sew up home field throughout the AFC, which has they have not sewn up yet. Uh, but my thing is, even if Oakland wins and New England loses and Oakland somehow takes home field advantage. Do you think Tom Brady and Bill Belichick really give a damn if they have to go to Oakland and play Matt McGloin in Oakland in the AFC title game? Do you think they'd be afraid of that? Do you think they'd be underdogs in that game? Because I think they'd be favored in that game. Yeah, by a lot. They'd probably be like eight-point favorites, yeah. I don't know about that, but yeah, I think they'd be favored in that game. I don't think they'd give a damn. But then again, I'm the one that said he didn't give a damn last week against the Jets, and you see what happened there. So don't listen to anything that I say, basically. Um, in any event, uh, this one, week two, went to New England 31-24, and that wasn't even Tom Brady. That was Janine Garofalo's second start of the year. So Brady hasn't even had his crack at the Dolphins yet this year. 
uh, but he will get his shot down in South Beach. New England is playing for something. They are nine and a half point favorites at the 10 and five Miami Dolphins who are not playing for anything because they have their playoff spot already sewn up. Right. And so the Dolphin, the Dolphins are completely locked in, uh, but they're still going to be running Matt Moore out there. I think that the Dolphins can't take a complete rest here. Um, sort of because of the way that, you know, that transition happened. So they, they need Matt Moore getting as many meaningful reps as possible against a potential playoff opponent. Um, so I actually like the points here and the Dolphins, even though the one thing I am a little worried about on the Patriots side is this is a repeat of last year when they didn't take this game seriously, ended up losing, and then were forced to go to Denver. So that could be the thing that gets the Patriots up for this game. If you're the coach looking for a reason in what everybody knows is a fairly meaningless game for all the reasons that you stated uh, with, with having to possibly go face you know, Matt McGloin in the black hole, who cares? Um, I, I still think that that's something to give that to they, Everybody loves their angles and their, and their bulletin board stuff and, you know, their blackboard stuff to kind of keep the teams motivated. I think this is that sort of needling thing that in their minds is they lost this game last year, probably cost themselves a trip to the Super Bowl. But even with all that said, I think that's a lot of points, uh, which is the same thing I thought last week. Um, I'll go with the Dolphins trying to stay fresh with their uh, backup quarterback. Yeah, I concur. Never let it be said that I'm too much of a man. I will go with what I had for the New England Patriots the last couple of weeks, which is they don't care. It doesn't matter. Uh, I will stay with my original point, no matter how stupid it looked last week, because that's just what I do. I agree, and I will take all those points and take the Dolphins in a rivalry game uh, with a a good team, a good 10 and five Dolphins team, six and one at home this year. They absolutely should compete in this game. Um, yeah. and, and I will take them. And and, and the, the Patriots also might not compete because they, I still think they don't really need the game. If they go to Oakland, they shouldn't be afraid of that. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Coin lands on heads and takes the favorite New England Patriots. So we are screwed in that one. Yeah. And within the last day or so, there have been reports now that Ryan Tannehill is possibly on track to return um, hmm. for the playoffs. So that'll be interesting to see how that ends up panning out, but they need Matt Moore, Matt Moore ready to go. This could all just be smoke and mirrors too. Yeah. Don't rely on Tannehill making that big comeback uh, no. off of that injury. But Matt Carolina Moore has looked good. I will give Matt, we got to give Matt Moore credit. He has not been terrible. <laughs> I think that's what we call Matt, kind of expected. Matt Moore, not terrible. That's a ringing endorsement. Carolina and Tampa Bay in the uh, NFC South. Uh, in week five on Monday night, Tampa went to Carolina, actually beat them 17-14. to 14. Um, And in this one, Cam Newton has a shoulder injury. Jonathan Stewart has a foot injury. Uh, don't know how much of the playing time they're going to be getting in this one. Uh, Muscle Hamster and Charles Sims are both out on the Tampa Bay side, so their backfield is going to be Jaquiz Rogers basically all by himself. And as we've talked about in this show, they're still alive, technically, for a playoff (laughs) spot. The Buccaneers actually technically are still alive, believe it or not. So the 6-9 and Panthers are four-point underdogs at the 8-7 and Buccaneers. Yeah, you know, and and, and the Bucs probably didn't deserve to be where they were um this soon but 
they did kind of open up my eyes. Even in that Dallas game, when I got to watch them play the most, they didn't unimpress me. You know, they, they got beat, but they hung in there. They made nice plays. You got to really see the maturity in Jameis Winston, um, you know, throwing the ball around, not just to Mike Evans. And that running game without Mike, uh, without uh, Doug Martin hasn't been terrible. And Carolina, oh boy, I mean, oh, what a mess this year. That's just, that's just, you want to talk about a dumpster fire. That's some hot mess right there. I'll take the Bucks, uh to sort of finish on their high note, maybe give the Titans a run for the money for that Houston Memorial Award coming up. <laughs> yeah, I'll concur with that. Just, the Panthers have kind of been scratching and clawing after their terrible start to the season, but they're finally officially eliminated. And I don't see them showing up in this game because there's really not much of an incentive for that to happen. So I will concur, take the bucks, give the four. Let's see what the coin has to say about that. This is a new one. It usually hits the ground and flies away somewhere. This one, this time it hits the hit the ground and flew into a shoe. So now I have to pick up the shoe and drop it again out of the shoe and go with that as the official pick. And it landed on heads after all of that. So we all have Tampa Bay in that one. So that's good. On to Tennessee hosting Houston. And what was going to be a really huge game, of course, is now meaningless to Tennessee. They are out of the playoff race. Houston uh, at nine and six has clinched the AFC South. Uh, and are they locked into the fourth seed or can they move up? Um, I don't I think they can believe they can move up. I, th- I think they're okay. set. I think they're set for that four or five matchup, which yes. is, oh boy, yeah, um, yeah we know. Oh we god, know. I hope there. I, I did. Yeah, we could really get a repeat of that Kansas City Houston game from last year. We saw this movie last year. Yes, we did. Um, that ended badly for Houston. Uh, Houston in Week Four hosted Tennessee, beat them twenty-seven to twenty. Um, it's another one of those games where Houston didn't look very good, but yet found a way to win those all those home That's wins they got early in the year. That's their whole they season. Just, yeah, they stacked them up. They stacked up the wins, and it, it paid off for them. Uh, so both teams nothing to play for in this one. Houston is a actually a three point underdog at Matt Castle and the eight and seven Titans. Oh, at least it's not Zach Mettenberger. At least it's not him. <laughs> That guy, um, oh, yeah, or Jake Locker. As with Matt Moore, we're gonna need to see a lot of Tom Savage in this game because he needs the reps. And I, I'll actually go with Houston here, um, playing their guy with a little bit more PT, also by the way, than Matt Castle. So I will go with Houston, trying to get their guy the work, uh, trying to get into playoff shape. Not they can't really take a week off. They've been bad most of the year, or if not all of the year. Uh, they need to get some fire going into the playoffs. They're playing for something. That's, to me, that's playing for something. I'll take Houston. They're going to have to do it without their best running back, Lamar Miller. They're going to have to do it without Jadavian Clowney on the other side. And they're going to have to do it with a historically bad offense because ESPN Stats and Info tells us that the Houston Texans' 21 offensive touchdowns this season is the least for any playoff team in the last 10 years. That's awful. I'm taking the Titans to beat the fuck out of the 
the Houston Texans because the Texans are not good and the Titans are still strong and angry and still have that strength from having their late bye. And I still think that they're going to run the hell out of the Texans. And they would have done that whether they were contending for a playoff spot or not. So I will still take Tennessee and give the three. Coin is with you, however, it lands tails. So you get the underdog Texans along with Coin. So good luck on that. Seattle going to San Francisco. This is a uh, an important game for Seattle yeah. because they win and Atlanta lose. That gives Seattle the two seed. They win, but Atlanta wins. Seattle locks into the three seed. Somehow, if Seattle loses, they would look at the four seed because the winner of the Green Bay Detroit game would be a half game better than them thanks to that stupid tie. So very, very important game for Seattle. They cannot afford to let up going to San Francisco. They showed what they were made of in week three against San Francisco at home by beating them 37 to 18. And we both probably see a similar result here. And so does the public. And that's why Seattle is a 10 point favorite on the road at the 49ers. Yeah, but the Seahawks also kind of showed what they were all about last week, crapping the bed against Arizona. What was that? Um, but no, I'm I'm with the betting public. I'm with the number. The 49ers are complete dog shit. Um, complete dog shit. Um, any win for the 49ers just hurts their draft position right now, and the Seahawks going in there. Again, we always love our get-right games. Seattle just loves to lose. And then get a cream puff. They just love it. I'll take Seattle. And you know what? What the hell? I'll lock it up. I figured you would do that. Uh, just because that's how little you think of Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. I, I figured Ooh, you would yeah. do that. Well, and also, <laughs> Seattle, loves that. Seattle loves getting right. Seattle loves to lose the week before they have the easiest possible opponent. And San Fran will not have Carlos Hyde as well as if they're already missing enough parts. Uh, yeah, Seattle needs to steamroll this terrible 49ers team to go into the playoffs strong. So I'm with you on that one. Take Seattle and give the 10 points. And the coin, unfortunately, likes Colin Kaepernick and the oh, underdog 49ers. So for that. And we will move on now to New Orleans against Atlanta in an interesting matchup because Atlanta with a win clinches the two seed and a bye in the NFC. So they will certainly be coming out in this game. Uh, week three, Monday night, Atlanta went down to New Orleans and served notice to the rest of the NFL that you better pay attention to us because Atlanta put up 45 in the dome uh, in New Orleans and beat the Saints 45-32. And so coming back to this one, the seven and eight Saints are seven point underdogs at the ten and five Falcons. Yeah, I can see a very similar style game. You know, Drew Brees found some rhythm last week. You can't keep him down forever. That Atlanta offense is just it's way too much. And they are really playing for something. They are playing for not playing next week. At, you know, they want the, that two seed could be invaluable. They could get that home game. If Dallas somehow lost Atlanta, if they win, could somehow host the NFC championship game. Um, you know, with that offense that they're going to want that. I am going to actually, though, take the Saints to stay within seven. 
just because I am a little fearful of how much Drew Brees can just get off on this team. And even though that game was uh, not the closest, Atlanta New Orleans always seems to end like a three-point game. It's almost like it's got to you get, and we can't have two blowout type games in a year between those two. Somewhere, some way, somehow, you're going to have a Saints Falcons game that's thirty-two to twenty-nine. <laughs> Or forty-two thirty-nine in, in this case, yeah. maybe. Um, no, I'll concur, and and I'll just add that this might be the beginning of showing what the fatal flaw would be for the Falcons that their defense is not all the way where it needs to be yet, and this is a really bad offense to be facing if you're a yeah. defense that's not all the way where you need to be. So I will agree and take but, the same. And this is also the number one passing team in the league, as you were as you pointed out at the beginning of the show. Indeed, they are. Uh, coin lands on tails. Coins has the underdog New Orleans Saints along with us. Arizona Cardinals and the LA Rams. Holy shit! What happened oh. to the Arizona Cardinals? Well, six they won last week. one Arizona. Yeah, well, I somehow beat the Seahawks up in Seattle. I would have never guessed that, but they they bowed I, up for that I one. Did. That was their big rival. I did. We didn't yeah, talk I about did. that. I had that one. I believe <laughs> I had that one. That you did. Uh, LA, of course, made a habit of going into Arizona and beating them in Week Four, seventeen to thirteen, because that's what just, that, that's what the Rams do. They go to Arizona and no. beat them. That's what Jeff Fisher does. Uh oh, he's not there anymore. Uh, so as a result, Arizona is a six and a half point favorite going into Jared Goff's LA Rams. Yeah, the Jeff Fisher magic gone. I'll take the Cardinals here, even though the Cardinals are a shell of their former selves. These are the Rams, and they stink. They lost to the 49ers, for fuck's sake. I am going to take <laughs> the Cardinals. I am, too. Uh, you know, David Johnson is the only thing worth watching in that game. See yeah. if he can go over 100 yards uh, again from scrimmage, and I don't see why he won't. So, Oh, and that play, yeah, that play he made at the end of the – going out wide as a wideout, that catch that he made and run at the end of that game to beat Seattle to get them into field goal range, I mean, clearly the most hidden MVP-type candidate player in the league because he's on a terrible team this year. Uh, but David – where would that team be without David Johnson? Would they be 3-13 and 13 this year without David Johnson? He is – completely off the radar with all the talk and everything. And he might be the best, like we've said, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's got all the yards of the offensive line, but David Johnson could be the best all around back in the league right now that nobody talks about. I don't know where their record would have been, but they sure the fuck wouldn't have beat the Seahawks last week. I know that. Uh, Coin landed on... Coin landed on head, so it has the Cardinals with us. Uh, these last few games are going to come on the other side of the uh, of the live show. So if you were waiting for Uh-oh. those, sorry, but you're just going to have to get the podcast. But anyway, uh, Oakland and Denver. Nobody cares. nobody cares. Oakland and Denver. We've talked about what's on the line for Oakland a little bit. A win and a New England loss gets them the number one seed in the AFC. However, a loss and a Kansas City win. They're not out of the woods for a wild card spot, so they really need to get up for this game. Uh, week nine on Sunday night, they knocked off the Broncos 30 to 20, sort of serving notice in that game what they were made of. And of course, that was uh, Derek Carr, and he's not going to be around for this one. Uh, and as a result, Oakland is a one and a half point underdog at the eight and seven Denver Broncos. 
I have a hard time taking Matt McGloin until I see something. And not just that, they're playing the Denver Broncos in Denver with that defense in a divisional rivalry game. And wouldn't the Broncos love more than anything to whoop up on poor Matt McGloin and knock the Raiders out of that top spot, possibly in the division and into a wild card. Uh, I, I got to go with the Broncos here. Matt McGloin, you can shut me up. You can show me something, but I'm not taking you till you do. I understand why you would say that. However, the Broncos seem to me to be circling the drain the last couple of weeks and finished it off last week. Um, and now I read that Paxton Lynch is going to play some snaps, and this was their treating. It's like an exhibition game. I'm going to take Matt McGloin and the Oakland Raiders nope. to win this game. Nope. I don't feel great about okay. it, but I'm going to take him anyway. Yeah, yeah it, the confidence is low. <laughs> yes, it is. The last part of our live show will be the coin landing on tails and going with the underdog Raiders along with me. So two games to pick on the podcast portion of the show because we are no longer live. Washington hosting the Giants is our next-to-last game. And in that one in week three, Washington, remember what's wrong with the Reds? What's wrong with the Washington Redskins? And they started out 0-2, and they went up to New York and beat them 29-27 and said, that's what's wrong with us. We're back where we need to be. So they know how to handle like the Giants. That? You like that? That's right. That's that's our, our buddy uh, Kirk Cousins. I haven't had that sound in a while, so I have to – Cue that up there. You like that? You like that? That's right. So the uh, Giants, however, uh, ten and five, they don't have any anything to play for. Uh, but Ben McAdoo, the coach, says they're going to try. He promises the Giants are going to try to win this game. They're really going to try. He promises. Yeah. Um, Washington win and they're in as a wild card, unless. As we said, the Packers and the Lions somehow tie. <laughs> which, which, is which also could get Tampa Bay into the playoffs. Oh, my God. In which case, Jay Gruden might pull out a, a, a handgun right there on the field. It yeah. just ended. Um, Giants are seven and a half point underdogs, even though they promised to try at the eight, six, and one Redskins. Anytime the coach says that the team is going to try, <laughs> they're not going to try. Give me the Redskins. Um, I concur. And <laughs> yeah, they're gonna try. They might even they might try, but because we think the Giants right. are fake, they might try and still not do anything. Uh, they they might play their stars, but on the road in a rivalry game against a, a team that really needs and is going to be playing balls out, the, the Giants should probably get bored quickly and just decide to not play anymore. Unless there's one yeah, thing I, that... The, yeah, there could also be that fear factor that maybe the Giants want no part of the Redskins come playoff time, and they're going to try to beat them for that reason. The same reason that the Bears should have tried to have beaten the Packers in a very similar scenario, if we remember. Um, yeah. when, the, when the Packers won the Super Bowl. The Bears had the chance to knock the Packers out and didn't do it because they were all sewn up. And it's very similar to what the Giants are looking at right here. It's like, hey, we got it all taken care of, but here's their chance to get rid of the Redskins, a team they probably don't want to face in the playoffs. But, you know, the Giants playing for nothing. There's that whole thing about playing for nothing 
where you're going to get into a little bit into that game and you're going to sort of start getting popped and realize that the other team is really serious about winning and you're going to want no part of that. <laughs> you're just going to be starting to old way, guys. It's going to look like the Pro Bowl. It's going to look like the Pro Bowl out there. Guys, on. I, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go sit right. down over yeah. here. Yeah, those guys are going to start trying to truck you, and the hands just go up and like, oh, oh, well, that nope. wasn't me. I wasn't trying to. No, oh, yeah. no, oh, right here. There's the red carpet, <laughs> sir. Uh, yeah, I could see that going that way real quick too, because you almost don't want to show too much either if you know that you're playing a potential playoff opponent. Either a lot of strategy going on here. The thing that scares me about the Giants might want to compete. The one thing that I might be afraid of, if Odell Beckham Jr. decides that he wants to take out a knife and shiv Josh uh, Norman again in the middle of the field oh, and yeah. just decides, okay, every play I'm going to shoot my hand up to Eli and say, I'm open. I don't care if you think I'm not open. I'm open. Throw me the fucking football. If something like that happens, that might be a problem. But I'm, I'm still going to take Washington anyway uh, because I don't know. I don't. Odell Beckham just doesn't do it like that when when he's being challenged you know what i mean it's it's only against the cream puffs that he seems to be able to do that is when guys are right in his face he doesn't want to uh, compete all the time it would seem so uh, i agree with you on that one and uh, we will both take the redskins and give a lot of points coin rolls off the mat and lands on tails coin is going with oh, the no. giants is related to the metal in the uh, in the kicking net, and and loves Josh Norman or I'm sorry Odell Beckham because of that I, I suppose. Uh, in our last game, the last regular season pick of 2016, we've made it this far through 255 whatever picks. It's the Chiefs and the Chargers, and in this one, the Chiefs win the AFC West if Oakland loses and the Chiefs win this game. So they will definitely be playing for a lot. Chiefs uh, in week one of the season started out having a big deficit at home against the San Diego Chargers. And then Alex Smith led a comeback. I still can't believe that happened. I I absolutely. That I called. I I remember that because I was at work. I talked about this on the show week one. Uh, I was at work. Alex Smith, they're losing and they're down like 24 to seven. I think was the score and I'm standing there with my coworkers and I looked at my, uh, my coworker. I said, chiefs are going to win this game. And everybody's like, ah, ha, 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 you know, you're such an idiot. And, and <laughs> then they did it. And then I sort of like, then that was when I sort of became like the football expert in the store. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like legitimized me uh, yeah, at my he, work. He knows so like, oh, about, hey, this guy's, this guy's got some clue. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, that was funny, uh, and that wasn't the fr- that wasn't that was sort of a trend. Alex Smith led several comebacks this year. Amazing! Just I never would have thought I would see they something just, like that. Those Chiefs just keep amazing you. They they really do. Uh, so the amazing eleven and four Chiefs are four and a half point road favorites at the not so amazing five and ten San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I, the Chargers are done. I mean, they lost to the they lost to the Browns. No. This is not a get-right game, by the way. See, this is what happens. See, if this was Seattle, they'd be playing Jacksonville. <laughs> but San Diego loses to uh, Cleveland. Hey, we're going to go home and we're going to get right. Oh, no, it's the Chiefs oh, playing oh, for the oh, division no. title. Oh, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Chiefs. This could have been a lock of the week potential, too. 
I concur. Uh, and San Diego's trying to piss off their star player, Melvin Gordon, and they're not going to play him even though he's only three yards away from a 1,000-yard season, and he really wants to come back and play, and they're like, nope. You're too important. We have nothing to play for. You sit your Wait ass down. Just put him in there and let him get three yards. I'm with you. I, w- I would put him in if I were the coach. What the hell? Especially if he's got some kind of like an escalator or something. You got to love Everyone play, has right? incentives like that in their in their contract, I would think. I think yeah. everyone has something like that. And that's probably why he wants to get it so much. It's not just for the stats. It's for the whatever contra- contractual incentive. So, And we know what the charges are all about because they nickel and dime Joey Bosa before the season began with his contract. Yeah. So this very well may be yeah. another situation where they're trying to save a coin here or there. Not this coin, not the coin in my hand, but some other coins. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me in the least if it was financially motivated. But and, and it took until the not... last. It took until the last pick of the year, the last show of the year, and the after show for me to finally do what I'm about to do and say something nice about Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, <laughs> for people who don't follow this show, last year was the least valuable rookie in the honors and dishonors portion of our show, which has always been a dubious distinction and has never, anybody who's ever won that award has never amounted to anything in the NFL. Melvin Gordon, if there's a comeback player of the year award in the NFL, I'm assuming there is, or some type of award like that, you've got to give it to Melvin Gordon because he was horrible last year. He was averaging like two and a half yards a carry, and he has been a completely different guy this year um, with, with basically the same team. So, and he's a Wisconsin running back too. He's had everything against him. Um, and this year he has played very under the radar, but very productive. Uh, I, I got to give it up for Melvin Gordon. I, it must be a very special night if you're giving bouquets to Melvin Gordon. Oh my goodness! I I, I call it when you know I give guys credit where credits due. I t- totally tore this guy apart. We tore him apart in the draft last year <laughs> because well, you know we we were talking about the Wisconsin running apart, back. Problem, you had so. the Wisconsin running back uh, bias. Right off the bat against him, you were talking about how no Wisconsin running back succeeds yeah. in the NFL. It was just not yeah. going to work. You went down the list from Ron Dane to all the other ones before him, and you said it's just it wasn't going to go well. And it, it looked like a great call in his rookie year because he was terrible. Yeah. I mean, last year when we had the honors and dishonors and I called out Melvin Gordon for being worst rookie of the year, I went so far as saying that James White was the better draft pick. That was true. Last year, this year, not so much. Although James White still sneaks his way into a big play every while, every once in a while, it's like the Patriots need a big play, and there's James White streaking up the sideline. It's like, oh, jeez. But Melvin Gordon has he has shaken off um, that 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 jinx that I usually bestow upon the worst rookie of the year. You know, right? Johnny Manziel won that award, I believe, at one point. Um, and he only played one yeah. game. He hasn't amounted to much. Yet. Only, basically, what well, he torpedoed their whole season, 
And that was sort of like it was always that when is he going to get in the game? And, the, you know, their quarterback was always looking over the shoulder. It was Brian Hoyer when he was having that good run. And uh, <laughs> toward the, you know, the whole Johnny Menzel thing just totally torpedoed them. And they, I, I did not put Melvin Gordon in, in good company by giving him that award. And uh, he may yet turn out to be a productive NFL player. So I got to eat a little crow. And I also have to say something nice to Melvin Gordon. Hey, Johnny football might make his run like this. No. He might have a, a oh, mm-hmm. he won't, well, mm-hmm. if he ever, if he ever leaves Las Vegas, it, he no. might. Unless he's doing a remake of the longest yard and he's doing it from the state pen. Probably not. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I, I tried. Uh, so yeah, we both got the chiefs giving four and a half in this one. And one last pick of the coin, one last long high flip. And down it comes on heads with the favorite Kansas City Chiefs along with us. We, After a rocky start there, we got quite a few picks where we're in lockstep with Coin, and like we said, that's always seems to be a good thing. Uh, so we got a f- quite a few of those. Let me count that up real quick. Uh, we have one, two, three, four, five games in which all three of us agree. And so I definitely want to keep track and see what our record is on that. Um, as far as just you and me this week, uh, you, you could have really gone nuclear and just had me pick every game and then you go against me on every game and then just try to uh, make up all the ground no. all at once like that. I mean, you no? will you will totally have the honors in the playoffs, though. So I, I, I'm almost from wildcard weekend. I'm going to need to hear your pick um, before I make mine. So be prepared for that next week. Oh yeah, that, that's. There's no other way to meet the comeback uh, unless you want to just agree with like two or three and make it all about those the wild uh, the uh, the division round games where you usually yeah, make I, your bones anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's that second round. I mean, I haven't had that four and zero clean sweep of the second round in a while, but I went on a run of oh good geez, what a good five to seven years where. I only was I would if I lost a game in the division round, it was like, what happened? <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> you were red hot, and I was red pissed. <laughs> yeah, there was one year we disagreed. We completely went head to head on all four. One time that happened. That was sort of like when this mystique began, and we went head to head on all four division round games, and we swept you. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that happened. Oh, I remember it. I, I remember it uh, not fondly. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember that. So I, I uh, so this week uh, I think I counted six, but I forgot already. So I'll recount them real quick. But I think we're head to head on six games, uh, which would put you uh, potentially, if you took those, you would cut down the lead uh, to only seven because I'm up 13 on you right now. So that'd be a, a nice swath to take out of me there. Yeah, yeah I, I have not holding out any hope that, that one, of one of us completely obliterates the other the others and says such and such. Because you're really only going to talk about the results of maybe two or three games anyways. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's so, so it's why it's why for anybody who thinks you've got it, you've got to figure it out. There's a whole reason why we're using a coin. It's almost almost it's mockery <laughs> of what, what 
you know, what week 17 is all about. That it is, you know, in an unpredictable environment like picking games against the spread, this is to the next level unpredictable because you don't know who's going to show up. You don't know what team is just going to decide to start playing their bench guys. Uh, you, you you could have the Chargers go out there and play Phillip Rivers for a half and then put the, the backup right. bum in for this. You have no way of knowing anything. You'll start watching the stats rolling in and the score updates. You'll start seeing names. You have no idea who they are. Uh, well, speaking of which, did you see the Falcons-Panthers box score? There were We talk about Matt Ryan. There were dudes <laughs> scoring games against the Panthers. I had no idea who they were. And yeah. we're in week 16. There were guys I didn't even know were on that team finding the end zone against Carolina. It is scary, the production that they are getting out of, like, just guys. You don't get production out of just nobodies. And, and it's like they are making any guy, anybody who shows up that's on the team, you get a touchdown. It's like, Oprah, you get a touchdown, and you get a touchdown. Everybody gets had, a touchdown. Two guys I never heard of in my life, and I'm a fan of the team. Two guys I've never heard of score a touchdown in that game. I couldn't even tell you their names right now. I didn't bring up their injury report for the week. That's part of the reason why I took the Saints and the points is because two guys we never heard of before the season began who are now almost kind of important to the Falcons are Taylor Gabriel and Austin Hooper, and they're both out for this game on Sunday. So who knows who uh, Matt Ryan is throwing to, to your point. Uh, complete guys off the street that you never heard of. Um, and not saying that the magic is going to run out necessarily, but the, the Saints offense is one that you really want to have your best players uh, all hands on deck, and that, that's not what the Falcons are going to have. So that's a yeah. big part of the reason why I'm taking the Saints. You know, it's well. funny, though, that, that that first game that they played against the Saints was the game where, where they scored all those points. And a lot of that was 45 to 32, but I remember watching that game. The Saints scored a lot of garbage time points in that game. That was a right. route. And then the yeah. Saints just sort of, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we might want to pile on the Falcons a little bit for giving up the 32. But I think 21 of that or so may have been like just fourth quarter, complete garbage time. They were done. Nobody cared anymore. Um, okay. So last week, I just had to look this up, and then and then I got to get to bed. <laughs> All right. But Matt Ryan throws a touchdown to Joshua Perkins. <laughs> Who? <laughs> okay, yeah. that's great. Then he throws a touchdown to top himself to DJ Tilavia. Um, yeah, he's a guy. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, oh, so no. let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, so once again, 10. Uh, ten ball catchers in that game for yeah, Matt that's Ryan. That's the thing. That that's the scary part of what the Falcons could do is all the spreading around that he's doing. So he's getting on the same page with these newbies as well, and yeah. just spreading it around to everybody. Is he's not just all Julio Jones? Believe me, uh, you need to be afraid of the Falcons. With any team, any fan of any team in the in the NFC, you need to be afraid of of what Matty Ice and the Atlanta Falcons are doing because I think they can go into any champion any uh division champion whether it's the cowboys or uh or the packers or whoever uh even the seahawks and i think the falcons can compete and win any of those games and atlanta gave seattle a hell of a game already this season up there and, and maybe yeah. had a, a 
referee rip him off by not calling pass interference against Julio Jones. Yeah, yeah, Julio Jones was basically tackled before the ball got there. Because kind of just ripped down to the ground. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the twelfth man getting a call for the for the for the Seahawks there. But yeah, to, to that point, Matt Ryan last week completed twenty seven balls. Four of those went to Julio Jones. Right. In a thirty three yeah, point effort. Julio. Yeah. You you go in thinking Julio's healthy and he's gonna make a big have a huge game and go for three hundred yards or something, and nope. We're going to go to, what's their names? What's those guys' names again? <laughs> uh, Joshua Perkins uh-huh. and, and DJ Tialavia. That guy. Yeah. 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 O- okay. <laughs> Ma- massive production. Out of, out of just nobody's. And, and not just catching balls, but catch, touchdowns. It's just... Just ridiculous, and then of course uh, they they st- that team again last week uh, against the para- against the Panthers who who stink in the secondary. Atlanta runs for 152 yards last week as well. On top of all that, they run for 152 yards. Oh, by the way, they have a run game too. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's my team. Hey, the Cubs won the World Series. Maybe I can get both my teams a championship. Oh God, what am I getting greedy now? My head would be hurting if you would talk about the Falcons all off season long and then bleeding right up to the Cubs to start the baseball season. Oh my God. My temples are hurting already. <laughs> all, right. all right. I got I seriously got to get to bed. I got to be up in like five and a half hours. So, uh, so you said we're skipping the uh, any recap for this week, just going right to the wild card next weekend, next yeah, Friday. It, it, it makes it easier. Uh, oh, next Friday is not going to work for me. That's my birthday. Um, oh, that's right. Happy you know what, though? Thank you. It actually will work. Saturday, so I don't know how yeah, we're going to do Yeah, I mean, it would either have to be Thursday night. It might, you know, Thursday night might work. Um, but I know you want your up-to-the-minute everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's uh, – I'm home next Friday. So we can uh, we can aim for – not necessarily. Let's not, let's maybe say nine thirty um, next Friday. Okay. So we'll still have we will have people over and stuff. So you know, to make sure the crowd and any of the people that we have over and family and stuff like that have kind of dispersed. And then you know, and my daughter's going to obviously want me to put her to bed and stuff. So um, we can do. Uh, I can do nine thirty next Friday. Making the ultimate sacrifice on his birthday for the show. Gotta love it. That's that's me. I'm all about the show. <laughs> I gotta catch you. I gotta catch you. I gotta have. I have to have the would go down as one of the most notable comebacks ever. If I were to pull one out this year on you, it would be epic. There's no doubt about it. And I've had a few of these. Well, not quite from this far back, though. <laughs> no, which, I'm, which, I'm, which I'm, something yeah, I'm 60 points behind you. I mean, or 50 some points behind. Yeah. I mean, by your point system right now, I'd be 10 points down in the going into the playoffs. That's a huge number. Um, and you get one point. What's that? You, you do get one point for the locks. It's always huge. And you can't even make up the deficit in the wild card weekend with those eight points on the line. Even all of those games wouldn't put you back over the top of me. Yeah. 
thanks for reminding me that. Just saying. <laughs> well, yeah. But Wild Card Weekend is only – it's as valuable or less valuable than the next two weeks that are after that. So That's, that's true. Point, Points-wise, the points-rich weekend for us is division round because that's the 12-point week. That's if I don't make any moves in the in those first two rounds, you know, I mean, I could play that strategy where I could just, you know, dink and doink and agree with you and then just wait till the very end and just like, oh, you know what? You're, you've been awesome all year. And you're just going to completely lose everything <laughs> at the end. OK, mm-hmm. maybe that works. You know, I would have beaten you last year if I would have picked correctly which game you were going to lose in the championship round. I just picked the wrong one. That's true. So it's amazing that even even though you're you're killing me at the moment, your point system does tighten things up for good reason because we want the playoffs to matter. Um, so we'll we'll, we'll see. It's on uh, me I've, to I've just got make the right picks in the playoffs. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure on your pressure is actually not on me at all right now. I pre- pressure hasn't been on, <laughs> been on me since like week one. I did get to within like three or four games to you at one point during the season where I had a like like a hot run, and then you just that went on a couple. Of, we had a couple of really bad weeks. I'm still over 500. I have no. There's no shame where I'm at this year. You've not had a bad season. No, I mean you know we we, we could talk about how good your season has been, and you know we we cannot forget in all of that. And I'm just gonna talk. I'm not gonna talk up myself or anything, but I'm over 500. That's true. I, I'm not arguing that. So, you know, if I was sitting at 445 or something, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be crying and I'd be crying in my winter jack. This show has been brought to you by winter jack. All right. I'm going to bed. Talk to you. Talk to you Friday when I join the ranks of uh, being an old man like you. That's right. Friday, 9.30 Central Time, 10.30 Eastern for our wild card picks as the playoffs get ready to start up. He is Jay. I am Dre. This is in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you, crazy people, for listening through all of this. Enjoy your New Year's Eve. Uh-oh, it's another 80s reference. Guess what people will be doing New Year's Eve? That's right. They'll be stepping out. Everybody enjoy your week 17 in the NFL, (laughs) and we'll talk to you next Friday. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.